Take her away, yeah? Yeah, take it away, Ernest. It's going to be a bumper ride. Chicago. Filling in for Joan Esposito. Please, Netflix, let me play Rudy Giuliani in a big, kind of bloviated, chainy suit like the one that Christian Bale wore. Actor, comedian, and multimedia personality, Hal Sparks. You can see the roots of the paranoia that Trump has in what he uses to attack everyone else and why he thinks everybody's a crook because I'm a crook. And the only difference between me and them is I don't use email, so their emails must be just full of criminality. Hal Sparks. Live. Local and progressive. Welcome to the show. I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in for Joan Esposito today. It's very exciting for me to be here in hour two of today's show. Uh, my dear friend Philip Bittner will be joining us from from Ukraine <coughs> to discuss, uh, not the least of which, the current moves by NATO, Poland, and other countries to provide them with Leopard tanks and the U.S. Abrams that are going there that will obviously follow on in the months to come, but will be part of their strategic defense going forward, it would seem, um, or at least their ability to use them will be an ongoing part of their strategic defense, um, considering this very well may all be over by the time they even learn how to put the thing in, you know, in gear. Anyways, so lots of stuff to cover today, not the least of which is um, <clears throat> our dear friend George Santos, or whatever his name is, uh, Tony DeVolder, um, whatever you want to call him, uh, Kazam Shakira, whatever is uh, the drag name he used was in Brazil. He's got so many names. He's like uh, Al Pacino in the devil's own. Oh, I've got so many names. Like he's not to say Satan because I wouldn't give him that much credit. It would it obviously takes a lot of mental capacity and intelligence to be in charge of all the evil in the world. I as on a managerial level, I suppose Um, (laughs) it's 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 seldom that uh, you find someone where you can insult them where you're like literally too dumb to be the antichrist that's <laughs> this is like the like the antichrist would need skills i think to pull off this garbage anyways so um the 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 big news coming out and we'll get to a bunch of things today but uh parts of trump's deposition um in the Eugene Carroll case have been released today audio of him basically pleading the fifth you're not going to hear anything from him because um i forget who said it but the somebody said i think once the the mob pleads the fifth or something someone i don't know who it was anyways um in general um trump does uh, seems to be i guess ignoring that advice at this point um here you go in her ag speech She promised to, quote, shine a bright light into every dark corner of Trump's real estate holdings. Shortly thereafter, she vowed to, quote, use every area of the law to investigate President Trump and his business transactions and that his that of his family as well. She knows nothing about us. This is when she knew absolutely nothing about us. It was very unfair. (laughs) This whole thing is very unfair. Oh, oh, that's the oh, just fa- that guy's guys. It's unfair. You don't understand. It's it. The world is 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 Trump's personal trap. Hold on. Here's the next piece. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? I was asking that question. Now I know the answer to that question. When your family, your company. 
and all the people in your orbit have become the targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and even the fake news media, you really have no choice. Anyone in my position not taking the Fifth Amendment would be a fool, an absolute fool. So we're not well, going to forget that. Um, <laughs> pretty fascinating uh, that the, the I mean, the turnaround in Trump's case is not surprising to anybody. Obviously, uh, the, he he pleaded the fifth uh, uh, something like 400 times in that deposition alone. After a certain point, he stopped saying, you know, on the advice of counsel, I respectfully plead the fifth. He just started going uh, the same answer, just same answer, same answer, same answer. Because um, he, here's the problem with, I, I uh, honest to God, I think Trump's problem is is multipolar, to use the current word. Um, on the one hand, he knows he's guilty, and so he can't answer because he'll incriminate himself. That yes, okay, fine. Let's put that in a box for a second. But also, he really has a hard time with two elements: one, remembering what lie he told, and and well, three. One, remembering the lie he told. Two. Um, not doubling down on the lie when challenged on an emotional level. It is very hard for him when he's caught lying or he's in it, whether it's in a, a, you know, a personal engagement, it's who cares with the press yet. Uh, he can write that off. But in a legal situation, when you're under oath, that that'll get you in real trouble. And, you know, he has this personal need to like, you said this happened 10 times and it clearly didn't like those kind of things. He'll go. I think it was more like 20 times, honestly, 30 times. By the time he gets to the end of the answer, whatever it is, happened a thousand times and no one noticed. It's pathological. It's insane. And he can't stop himself from doing it. So his lawyers, I don't know if they attached a small shocking device, uh, it, you know, somewhere on his person. Or uh, he at some point did it to himself or um, they just, you know, trained him with a series of, you know, whip cracks. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. Um, but ultimately he uh, the oh, and the third thing, the third issue that he has without like uh, doubling down on it is that he gets angry about someone questioning what he's doing. Now, that's often and I'm by the way rarely, rarely um, do we see a situation where where Trump is under oath like this. Most of the time when he's talking and he's like, this is all unfair. It's a hoax. They're lying about me. Everything is fake, fake news. He's just saying it in public. And to a certain extent, lying is legal. You can be a liar. liar that's, that's, that's part and parcel to freedom of speech. You can be a liar. There are times when, however, you can't because you have sworn to tell the truth. And that act has ramifications. Otherwise, there would society would collapse. And um, he clearly on an emotional level is very bad at telling what goes where, when indeed he should be telling the truth and where he should keep his mouth shut because he doesn't seem to be uh, capable of not incriminating himself or it's interesting bragging about his criminality because he does hold it so dear. 
So in this particular case, you've got a guy who um, on on so many fronts left to his own devices would uh, just scream. Yeah, I did it. And I'd do it again. Kappa, you can't take me. Yeah. Bang, bang. Like it, like mentally in his head. He's he's James Cagney. In reality, he knows to some degree, but saying stuff like that will 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 get you in deep excrement even deeper than you are. So he's got his attorneys basically saying, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Uh, uh, well, of details, you can you can't stop him from complaining. He's a he's a beyond lying. He's a pathological whiner as well. But you can so you don't don't think anybody in his oh, quote unquote orbit, um, which is funny that he uses that word. It's adorable. That, that's that you can tell that there are phrases that they wrote down for him about if you're going to complain, keep it within these bounds. But over the course of, um, you know, watching these interviews and watching his he seems much like his most recent speeches that he's given. And I they. There are no rallies as of yet. We'll see if he tries to jumpstart a couple in the next few months just for his own ego's sake. But his little um, donor gatherings that he's been having in, ha- in New Hampshire and South Carolina, he's uh, the complaint is, is that he's the MAGA Jeb Bush and he's lost whatever energy or excitement was around him because he's a known entity now and everybody, you know, again, the, the funny story about the snake that he likes to tell is that if the woman in the snake story survived, she's not going to fall for it again. And that's his problem with a lot of donors, a lot of Republican voters. And that's why so many of them are moving on. And in this case, it's another example of watching Trump when he's giving this deposition. If you've seen the video, like head down quite frankly, exhausted in this process. Hardly the, the uh, you'll never take me alive, Kappa, um, James Cagney, he imagines himself to be, or his followers imagine him to be. Just a muted liar who knows he can't speak freely about any details without in, you know putting himself in legal jeopardy. Which is fascinating. It's just a, uh, it's, and, and the irony I would like to say, if, if we can look at the kind of big picture of the current circumstance in, in Republican politics right now, which, by the way, is a dumpster fire um, inside the Titanic f- full of fireworks um, in a sea of gasoline. Um, <laughs> one of the best things is, is that in Trump's mind, to some degree, he is watching how Kevin McCarthy is handling the George Santos uh, uh, circumstance. I don't even know what to categorize it. He's watching this guy and all the Republicans around him giving George Santos's ridiculous, cartoonish, absurd lies a pass. And while at the same time, for the first time in his life, he's being called into court and having to plead the fifth hundreds of times. The, the parallel tracks in this are particularly hilarious for normal people. Not if you're 
Donald Trump and and George Santos. I'm just saying. So uh, anyways, we got to take a break. We come back. I'm going to take some of your calls. 773-763-9278. I think even our double friend uh, Steve from the Gold Coast is waiting on the line. We'll get to him right on the other side of this break. I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in for Joan Esposito on WCPT. I'm also live streaming at infotainmentwars.com. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Every weekday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820. Welcome back to the show. I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in for Joan today, and it's very exciting. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for thanks to Joan for, you know, uh, as she goes away, trusting me with her media, her ever-growing media empire. That said, oh my goodness, um, it, you know, when we're talking about habitual, unrepentant liars like Donald Trump, who, by the way, apparently, in terms of his most recent speeches, all bets are off. There might have been at some point where Trump tried to keep his fabrications within certain bounds. I know it doesn't seem like it. Like, you're, like how, how much worse could the guy be? Like, he was setting records in, in, in the pol- – he's the – Lying politician of lying politicians. I mean, I guess that's chapter 13 in the uh, or chapter 11 in Art of the Deal. But, you know, if you're going to be a liar, lie big and lie all the time. Lie bigger than Goebbels. Goebbels wasn't. I, I own that dude. I've got his skull in a in a bowling ball. Um, <laughs> you uh, it's a you would think he's sort of incapable of lying any worse than he is. But now, you know, I mean, like one of the classic ones, and I I will, uh, you know, rest uh, on this one forever because it's just uh, a joy and an irritant, is him taking uh, credit for the VA Choice Act of 2014, the one that gave veterans the ability to, you know, use a, a different, you know, medical provider if there was a long drive or, you know, if it was – if it was financially untenable or that the wait times were too long. That was a law signed by, by Obama, by the way, um, written by a Republican Kentucky congressperson. I mean, a, a very bipartisan bill put forward and signed in 2014 and the improvements from it. One of the reasons why Trump was like 90 percent approval, everything's awesome with the VA is because that bill started being implement implemented across the country. And it took a little time because it's a ginormous endeavor. And so he landed right as, you know, the turbulence ended in the VA, as it were. And uh, he will continue to take credit for that and stand on the shoulders of veterans um, with that nonstop his lies have just gotten worse um, recently to the point where everything was the best in the last year of his presidency. The last he keeps saying two and a half, just two and a half years ago, greatest country ever. Now, if if he was anything but insane and I mean, like cuckoo crazy, not clinically just a nut. He would dial it back three and a half years, at least before COVID, you would think. You'd like, at least go back that far, right? At least go back to the time like where your bragging rights might have been at their zenith, even though we were heading to an, in, into a recession and he was clamoring for the Fed at that time to give us negative interest rates. Go back and look at that tape again if you ever want to see like a – 
economic idiocy, top down, uh, even like Wilbur Ross and Kudlow were like, oh, what? Um, but they couldn't stop him, so they didn't bother. And then we've got George Santos. The news happening today, and then I'm going to take some calls, 773-763-9278. Uh, George Santos, uh, the patron saint of Donald Trump's uh, time in office, the guy who is poised to take the mantle of Trumpism from the king himself, um, the, the guy who literally, when he say, we, we say his name, we're using one of multiple aliases. That, is, that in and of itself should give you some kind of an indication. Um, George Santos has withdrawn from his House committees. Um, apparently, it's uh, head of lettuce to George Santos committee appointments, zero. Um, uh, this is from The Guardian. The Republican Congressman George Santos has temporarily... <laughs> withdrawn from two House committees to which he was appointed by party leaders, despite a spiraling scandal over his largely made up resume and investigations of his bizarre past behavior and current campaign finance filings. Santos told fellow Republicans of his decision at a closed door meeting on Capitol Hill on Tuesday morning. Yes, he told them. <laughs> In a statement emailed to The Guardian, Santos's office said he's recusing himself until he's cleared. Please note that his seat will be reserved until the congressman has been cleared of both campaign and personal finance investigations. Yeah, the Republicans had a closed door meeting about George Santos's committee appointments and he decided to leave. And you know how we know that? Because he said so. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. That's lunacy. We have no reason to believe anything from this guy. And it's particularly spectacular how um, n- nothing, nothing he says um, it is it's beyond just being like, OK, all right, that's just a silly lie. You're, you know, you're in bad shape when you when your boss or your superior gives you the option to resign instead of being fired. And everybody in the community knows, oh yeah, you're just fired. <laughs> just fired. It's like, this is not something like in 10 years, people go, oh, you resigned from that? What was that about? They're going to go, oh yeah, you're the guy that was fired and said he resigned forever. <laughs> so let's grab some calls. 773-763-9278. Uh, who do we got first, Chicago? Uh, Steve from the Gold Coast. Excellent. Hey, Steve, Welcome. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I'd give almost anything to figure out exactly who's staffing his office. I mean, who in heaven's name is willing to commit political suicide and actually do that? I mean, I'm guessing, you know, it's like, oh, you're the Uber driver. Okay, hey, you want to be the head of communication? Well, uh, the report is, by the way, just for the record, report has been, by the way, um, from the whatever inside, inside sources I have, that uh, they everybody on his staff who joined thinking, I'm going to be a part of the staff of one of the most preeminent uh, openly gay Republicans in the new era of the Big Tent Republican Party. Every single one of them is having a panic attack, tearing up their resumes, and just trying to get out the door. Exactly, exactly. So I'm wondering who's filling those positions. Like I said, the Uber driver. You know, I mean, the, the guys. <laughs> Chat, Chat GPT. 
Yes, yeah, I guarantee. I think Chad GPT wrote that 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 statement to the Guardian. Oh, great, yeah. So we're all on the same page. But I think you're absolutely dead dead on with regards to analysis of Trump. I mean, his candidacy has got nothing to do with what's good for the Republican Party, the American people, anything wrong. It's about saving Donald Trump. And I and I think it's, right. it's rather interesting. If this is the guy who you know yelled and screamed in 2020 that Joe Biden is running a campaign out of his home or basement or whatnot. Announced right. he's going to run for 2024 and disappears for two and a half months, essentially. Yeah. You know, I, and, and then on top of that, you know, there's, there's just nothing. He's just taking he's taking Joe's winning strategy. He's not you know, he's that smart a businessman. He, he knows a winning strategy when he sees one. So he's going to yeah. get that lightning and put it back in the bottle. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm like Joe Biden. You know, the, the news isn't great. I mean, Marquette University released a poll indicating that, you know, that he, he's about third on a list of Republicans that could beat Joe Biden. So that's not yep. good for him. The numerous nope. stories coming out of the RNC. You know, the RNC is sort of instrumental in you know helping to pick a candidate, and they feel that like he's not the best guy to, to to run. You know, in 2024 to beat the Democrat. You know, I mean, basically it's just one thing after another. So, I mean, Donald Trump's equation is as follows: Okay, I'm going to run for president. If I can get the nomination again and win, then basically I can derail any investigation, or I could perhaps pardon myself. In the alternative, right. if somebody right. else can win. I can offer them the, the capacity to bring a lot of my followers, my voters to them in exchange mm-hmm. for that magical, you know, you know, pardon, you know, that Ford Nixon agreement sort of thing. And, sure. uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll get off the hook that way. You know, state charges, well, I don't know what we're going to do about those. But, you know, again, if I were to, to become president, perhaps I could bring pressure to bear somewhere. That, uh, never, that. never mind the fact, Steve, by the way, put a put a pin in that thought that um, he represents a a movement within the Republican Party to overwhelm states' rights on a myriad of issues while apparently throwing red meat to what, uh, you know, like school board level stuff to distract maggots out of the fact that they plan on taking over state governments at almost every level and, and have federally imposed standards for communications companies in terms of what content they want specifically, not, well, that might be disinfo or, you know, that kind of stuff, but literally like, you know, they want to take over whether or not, you know, the just elections, everything run from the federal government from almost a singular monarchical rule from Trump's standpoint that this is their time to t- take it all over, which is a- antithetical, you'd think, to all the Republicans, you know, and their current their thought forever conservatives. You know, we're getting close to a break, Steve, and I think you have other thoughts. So you, do you mind holding on through the break and then we'll get to another caller sure. after that? So I don't want to run it. Yeah, because I know there's another uh, thing or two to hit on. We'll be back right after this. Um, it's uh, the Joan Esposito show. I'm filling in for her while she's here. I'm also live streaming at infotainmentwars.com. And uh, you can support my show on the weekends and this other live stream stuff I do at patreon.com slash house sparks. Uh, if you can help and help, you know, I, we all think people always say independent journalism, but please, it's just what I'm doing. It just, and, and again, if you can't, God bless you for just being here. Thanks for the eyeballs. Um, that means you too, trolls. We'll get to you in a little bit. We'll be back right after this. There's new information. Explosive new information. It's how every day starts. The need for information. Get the info you need from Santita Jackson. Weekday morning starting at 6 on WCPT 820. 
This is Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Good Lord. Welcome back. Uh, it's uh, Al Sparks filling in for Joan Esposito. Steve from the Gold Coast is still on online with us right now. And I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure he has another point about what we were talking that we can uh, get to. And then I, I have a question for Steve uh, to pick his brain because I have a theory that I'm asking around. I'm, I'm kind of focus grouping and I, I'll, I'll take his take on it. Um, anyways, welcome back, Steve. Hi. Hello. Do you hear me? Yeah, indeed. Go ahead. Okay, great. Yeah, so uh, on the Santos point, I mean, I just think it's amusing that in 2023 we can actually be having this discussion. You know what? Well, I do this for a living. So if you take on someone, you know, you not only perhaps engage in oppositional research, you know, so you want to figure out who they're running against or what their weaknesses are, their strengths, but you actually should investigate the guy you're working for to know whether or not you're going down this endless hole that might not be able to climb out of. And so I'm just wondering who in God's name didn't bother to do that. You know, this is the age of Google. You know, it's not 1970. So, you know, it's not as if you can't do this. And yet somehow this guy did something that is just amazing that you could get away with. You couldn't get away with doing this if you're trying to be a manager at a a local Starbucks. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Two two reasons. One is um, because the people can choose whoever they want within, you know, reasons like obviously somebody who's a convicted felon um, has limits on what they can on their running. That ultimately, if the people decide you should have classified briefings, even if you do not deserve them, you would not pass the, the regular security checks. The voter is the end run around any of that bureaucratic uh, red tape. And that's, uh, you know, it's always going to be an issue. It was the issue with Trump. It's certainly the issue with somebody like, you know, Matt Gates or in, or any of the, you know, the pro-insurrection, Boebert and, and Green, because they're going to be leafing through the, the top secret and classified information that they end up getting on DHS and on oversight, looking for their own phone number to show up. And well, hell, but in the case, do you, yeah. do you think do you think that he was able to pull this off? That's a hypothesis on my part. Um, I don't have any mm-hmm. evidence to support it. But he was able to sort of thread this needle between right and left by by being a both conservative and progressive candidate at the same time, and therefore appealing to both sides and both bases. Therefore, such sort of being hands off, so that nobody really wanted to delve too much too much I, into yeah, the background. Right. Your, Not uh, uh, yes. You're on. You're on to something, Steve. That is a very specific. That is precisely what I would say happened because his the fact that he was gay and out and uh um, you know and a proud minority which depending on which day of the week whether he's uh being brazilian or whether he's being jewish or whatever as a as a rare catholic uh brazilian or something whatever his his stack was there is a definite if not a full-on uh, block, a tapping of the brakes in criticizing people that arguably on a social and lived experience level, uh, the the left or the Democrats or whichever group you want to make that, whatever your label is, um, would be in support of someone just being themselves. What, like the idea, like the, the, the confusion about log cabin Republicans and not understanding what the hell's wrong with them to some degree um, – has a glass ceiling on that outrage on on our side of the aisle simply because we believe that you should be able to think that 
no matter what your background is, you can be yourself. We're just confused by it. It's just hypocritical and weird to us, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't be allowed. And there's, and on the right, there's a lot of, you shouldn't be allowed going on. And, and they've given a little bit of social room. That's where the country has tacked quote unquote left in the last few decades, specifically around these issues. But in the case of Santos, I think there were a lot of Democrats who were afraid to criticize and question what he was saying because how do you call somebody out on the fact that you don't think they're Jewish and they're fundraising off of it without, it, it, you know, if you're wrong about it or, or you misread something or you, you know, didn't bother to do the deep dive on it. And you're like, this just looks hanky. Even bringing it up sounds possibly bigoted or wrong speak or problematic or whatever on the, you know, on the Democratic side you can run into. So he was allowed to have this kind of shield created around him by weaponizing the empathy of the Democratic side of the aisle. Don't look too deep on people like that because they've been through enough is the idea. And I think that he wasn't a progressive candidate in any other way than arguably, quote unquote, the boxes he checked. Any more than, you know, and I think Kirsten Cinema is another example of that, where being kind of out and by and a proud, you know, sort of almost a queer icon that she was presenting herself as in the very beginning, belied a politics that wasn't all that different from any other, you know, slightly left of center Republican in Arizona, which is, by the way, what you would need to run and win. But it also put her over the line with a group of voters that went As long as you check these boxes, I don't need to look any further. And that's what she kind of skated on. Santos, more egregiously, I would argue. That's what that was. So um, the uh, the question I want to ask you, and I don't know how much social media activity you have, Steve, from the Gold Coast. But it seems to me the Republicans who now have oversight and have a lot of details and and data and information they're they're finally getting their hands on are spending a lot of time just complaining on Twitter and Facebook that they seem to have a lot of free time considering their newfound power is it just me uh, well, I mean, the sake of full disclosure, I mean, I've read a lot of research on social media and its impact on our society and our political and educational system and so forth. But in terms of hands-on, I have one social media account, and it's YouTube. Um, I, I can't right. speak to what's going on online. I'm just not part of that world. Yeah. I don't see it as being terribly rewarding. I understand people have careers need the, those outlets because obviously, you know, you need to connect with other people. I'm fortunate enough mm-hmm. not to be in that position. But the research is quite clear with regard to this and that uh, what, what social media is, it's a way to sort of uh, to, to whisper into something and have it yell, uh, yell that at the world. And what, what's right. happened, I think, is the mistake that we've made in, in this country and in the larger global community is that we've got these voices who frankly don't matter. But if, when they whisper into social media, it's yelled out across the world and people all the right. time pay attention to it. When in reality, they reflect a tiny minority. Uh, of, of individuals in terms of sure. their perspectives. And, 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 you know, and the reality is that if you're over 50 or 60, you're the people who decide elections in America. It's not the 25-year-olds. And yet nope. 25-year-olds with Twitter accounts <laughs> and YouTube accounts are the ones who, are, who get to decide agendas in, in America. 
but they're not turning out to vote. And we're neither the same. Right. Yeah. Oftentimes, the groups that people talk about being the most critical in an election is the is the final percentage point that might tip one. But the base of both parties and even the independence of the world, as far as regular voters, people who vote, you know, in every election are older people every single time. Every single time when they go, we need the youth vote, the youth vote made a difference. That's because, A, the youth vote changes almost every election cycle, at least every presidential cycle, because you move from being an 18 year old new voter to a 24 year old if you're on the outside line of it. And and that, you know, that fuzzy line gets even fuzzier when you voted for the, you know, the first presidential election came up when you were 23, or 22, you know, that kind of thing that you voted in. And that makes you an, a different voter the next time than you would have been even in the short term. You're, you're not rock. The vote isn't working on 32 year olds and that's three yeah. presidents, and, right. For a lot of people. So, and I don't want to get too, so, to get too yeah. far a foot off, off of the subject, but yeah, I, when you ask young people uh, whether or not they're politically involved and they answer yes, I mean, we need to have a little bit more substantive methodology because as it turns out, they think that, you know, liking a tweet that they got, about right. It's, it's like voting it. 10 times. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. And it is not that. Exactly. No. Right. Uh, appreciate the call. Uh, thanks for calling in, Steve. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, and uh, by the way, I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in on Joan Esposito's show on WCPT. There is so much. And I'm, I asked the chat room this as well. Anybody uh, notice that it seems like the Republicans just have plenty of time to tweet right now with all the because I think I can't be the only person who's like a big fan of Katie Porter. Katie Porter, one of the reasons why I like her as a congressperson, uh, besides her charm and her capability, is she does her homework and she shows her work. She's a big fan of showing her work. And she's uh, she for a long time, especially in in House um, uh, committee situations or on the floor, We'll be putting uh, the fear of stats in people for as long as she is a serving member of uh, any any of the political bodies in our whether she's in the House or the Senate or anywhere else. Um, I you know, she's um, she's like, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren with a slide rule in some ways. She like she's terrific for that reason. And you can tell that. A lot of times she'll she'll her staff tweets and puts things out and they're relatively impersonal things. Most of the time when she's doing social media or anything from her shows up on social media, it's clearly sort of staff driven or maybe occasionally from her. On the other hand, Lauren Boebert, Jim Jordan, uh, Matt Gates, all these folks seem they are even Kevin McCarthy, who's the new speaker, who you would think he would be real busy. Um, seem to be personally tweeting all the time, just nonstop all day long. Ted Cruz of all the people has a, a, a podcast of his own and tweets and tweets segments of himself. And uh, I know per, certainly his, his, his staff does a good portion of it, but he is absolutely on there the rest of the time, micromanaging it. And it, it just seems like a way to avoid your homework for these folks. It just seems like because when they show up at these things and when they're on committee, they do a lot of shouting. And they do a lot of, you know, angry kind of meme stomping. 
you know, they'll they'll throw a meme out there or they'll, you know, stomp around wailing and gnashing their teeth about a particular um, hashtag concept that they've seen or some particularly um, virulent right wing lie that's floating all over the Internet. They'll that's their job. So. I think that may be the the key difference here is that when you look at the the Katie Porters of the world and in and indeed Democrats in general right now and certainly under Pelosi but like moving forward even you're seeing Democrats who are spending a you know there are definitely those who are you know get their their digs in but not at the expense of doing their homework not at the expense of actually crafting legislation or going through it it is always the Republicans who complain about there's this bill coming to the floor and nobody's read it. When they've had every opportunity as it went through committee to both talk to their representatives who are on the committee, review what they're doing, get a summary from those people, if those people are even doing their homework, and then see the final version that got out of committee before it was even introduced. The version of most of these these things that they clamor about when they were in committee were available to them to look over, peruse or or even set their staff on for long periods of time. Wait till the wait till the immigration bill comes to the floor this year, because that's going to happen. Democrats are going to um, dig a needle into Republicans to into a put them like shove them in the put up or shut up corner about a comprehensive immigration reform bill. And it'll there'll be a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth and freaking out about it and blah, blah, blah. And you'll hear all these people like they're going to naturalize 50 million people, whatever that stuff. But what you will notice is that all this bill has been around in multiple forms and been argued for years. And by the time it gets to the floor, Every part of it that's involved in it will not be new. It will be something that was floated and possibly passed earlier and kind of the best parts of everybody's agreed pieces for the last 25 years. And and if anybody looking at it will know this, they'll go, yeah, that's they've been talking about that since 2002. They it will be a majority of things that it'll be a thing. A majority of Democrats and Republicans can agree on. Um, only the the polar sides of it that are disagreeable as a political strategy will have a problem with it. But all of those people and most of the Republicans, even the ones who will eventually vote for it without any changes of merit, will say nobody has read this thing. No. And and I think the answer like Trump saying, I was distracted by all these investigations and they were they were torturing me. I, I, I deserve an extra year of my presidency because it was stolen from me or a free like a do over. Never, never wants to erase all the time he spent on the golf course. Weird. We'll be back right after this. I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in for Joan Esposito and WCPT today. Uh, in the next hour, by the way, um, my dear friend Philip Bittner will be joining us from Ukraine live from Kiev um, to discuss a lot of the movement around there as well. And, of course, thanks to the chat for hanging in there. Um, uh, Patreon.com slash Hal Sparks. We'll be back. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. Attention, everyone. Don't turn that dial. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, returns right now on WCPT 820. 
Welcome back to the show. So um, I'm Hal Sparks filling in for Joan Esposito. It's very exciting. I'm glad to be here. Um, th- uh, there is so much going on. And it's while we're all wrapped up with, you know, Trump pleading the fifth hundreds of times. And by the way, um, if, if that's your favorite um, Trump, um, he's going to be playing the hits for the next year, at least, because there are so many civil and criminal trials that are lined up for him. Uh, it's like a giant golf course where every hole is a legal one you can fall into. And he is going to basically be on the no comment, plead the fifth tour for the foreseeable future. And it is definitely having an impact on him. And if I would say, if he was truly innocent and knew it, the the spirit of defiance would be with him as a as a true man of bravado. He would roll into all these these depositions playing some Lee Greenwood music and throwing, uh, I don't know, <laughs> like con- red, white and blue confetti into the air like Rip Taylor and um, and going, where do I sit? And and just going, let me let me tell you how this whole thing went down everywhere he went. But. He knows he is in a minefield of his own making, and he ate the map. He ate. He he marked on something like this is where this boom goes. This is this boom. This is this boom. This is this boom. This is this boom. And then after a while, there were so many of them, he just lost interest. Had Alan Weitzelberg did it, and then ate the map. He has no idea. It's all like the man is in a yard full of rakes that trigger landmines and he knows it. And he knows he's he, he has no choice but to keep his trap shut or he's in huge trouble. That's 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 fun. Can I just say that's that's fun considering how he's treated women over the years that enough that misery that he's experiencing is enough for me. On some level that he's at least that that I don't even like if even if they don't get him into jail because he ends up pulling a, you know, a Cosby uh, or a Golden State defense where they wheel him in and he pretends to have dementia and and not know where he is. Um, even still, him having to go through that being lowered to reality so brutally is worth it on so many levels. That said, um and I, I think, do we have other callers, Chicago? I, other than Steve, we're good. Till next uh, hour. Robert yeah. and Farmer. Okay, uh, let's let's take them in that order then. Let's go to Robert first. Robert, you there? What's going on, brother? I'm here. Hey, yeah. how are you? Yes, I am. I'm Well, that's true no matter where we are. <laughs> as long as it's somewhere else. I was listening to the, I was on hold. I heard the, the Chicago weather. They got 13 over there. My God. That, mm-hmm. That's like. You know, it's so cold, you send the wife out to start the car, you know, honey. <laughs> Get out there. Or my kids. That's sweet. I, I, left, uh, yes. I left New York because yes. of the cold. I didn't, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway. Well, uh, I, think you, I think you don't. It, these days, these days, you call your gangster neighbor and, and ask them where they got their car starter and, and who installs <laughs> it. Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. They got there. I, you know what? I yeah. moved out of there before. That was that just became a thing when I left. The car starter. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, my. Uh, oh yeah, that's it's a that big either. thing. <laughs> I don't need that <laughs> no. in Florida. My dad. Well, as long as as long as people as long as people like you, okay, I suppose. But uh, anyways, go ahead. 
All right, a couple of things. Uh, I let's a little fast. A couple topics. Uh, I saw that Donald Trump suing for fifty million dollars. Uh, Bernstein, because uh, you know I, I never told him he could use that. Woodward, you know. Uh, Woodward, Woodward, thank you. And um, yeah, you know, his, his, you know, the president is his public domain. I mean, Donald, yep. uh, Obama. Sorry, Obama dummy. Donald, yeah, Obama had toilet paper made in his image. You know, you know, he got yeah. sued, but he never did. You know, but right. you have the right to be a jerk, you know, and, uh, and but not in this case. I mean, what I want to understand, what I don't understand is why doesn't uh, the, you know, the, the uh, attorney general take that as evidence that he knew, a, you know, a, a cancer was growing. He knew the reality of that disease, the COVID and how it spread. And he did nothing. Uh-huh. He lied about it. How is it that that doesn't get brought to court and have him go to jail for that? I mean, it's a crime against humanity. You know, um, I, well, well, uh, for the record, um, Bob Woodward responded to it on Twitter and he said, and I quote, I would like to propose a deal to President Trump. I will give him the 40 million dollars he's suing me for if he uses the money to pay for the funeral costs of the one million Americans who died because of his negligence. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> oh, man. Good. You got you to troll him back. I would have trolled him another way. I would have said, you know what? I'll give you the forty million mm-hmm. plus the ten thousand four hundred and one votes that you needed on top of that in Georgia, just to remind everybody that that's a, that's another thing he's going up against. Um, you know, he's he's such a weasel, dude. Oh my god! This, I wait, um, wait. I can't. I I'm honestly that this the other tweet he just put up a little bit ago is quite frankly so extraordinary I, I i it has to be fake i can't he he said since donald trump is suing me i will reveal something i've never real revealed before about a public figure the scent barrier on his depends is completely insufficient <laughs> that's a parody i'm kidding it's a joke but uh <laughs> that's the the real bob woodward i'm kidding so uh <laughs> a lot of people are are throwing that against the wall like there that, that is now an um uh, a uh, meme on twitter like this is uh like democratically based Bob Woodward all of a sudden. Um, but anyways, you had a second point, yeah. too. I wanted to make sure we get to that. Yeah, yeah. this morning I started my day early over here in the East Coast, and I listened to morning scar tissue with uh, Mika and whatever. And they had this new representative, not Santos. By the way, Santos and DeSantis share the same last name. In Portuguese, Santos means saint, and DeSantis in Italian means saint. You know, like Santo right. in, the, in Spanish. You know, oh, yeah, all, no, no, I know. You know, someone Jewish, do they have saints in, in, that, that are Jewish or it could be on the mother side? I didn't think of that. Never mind. Um, no, uh, no, they, that's not. That's a that's a Catholic thing. That's a. Yeah, I mean, there, there. That it, it can be colloquially colloquially used by other people, but no. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but anyway, they had this guy who just got another seat in Long Island who's a. His name is Esposito. He's a congressman. I guess he's a rookie like uh, DeSantos or Santos, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was, uh, you know, because he's a former police officer, he, he was he was asked to comment about what happened there in, um, you know, in Memphis. And, you know, in the Republican tagline, I've heard it in other places, that, oh, that's a Democratic city and liberal policies have brought this down. And, just, and I'm thinking to myself, you lose your liberal card when you hold another guy up so someone else can punch him in the face. Those guys aren't liberal. Mm-hmm. You don't do that if you're right. a liberal. If you're a liberal, you have it in your heart. You don't. You don't. That's a conservative chicken crap thing to do. And I, I said crap. Right. You know, um, I, but, I, you know, but you know, that's not a that's not a liberal thing. Is to sucker punch people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. You know, I agree. And, and, and 
You know, so if anything, if you look into the history of these guys, I guarantee you they're on board with the with, with the right wing politics of uh, of uh, Trumpism. Is you know these these guys these, these they're they're murderers. You know that's all they are. Oh, but hell, listen, they got me moving yeah. the truck because uh, uh, I understood. Yes, <laughs> no doubt. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Be Stay warm, you rat. I'm kidding. It's it's what you said. It's it's chilly here in Los Angeles where I am right now. So uh, understood. I think we might have time to get in our, our other caller before we get to the break. We got about four minutes left. So I want to make see if we can grab him. You there. Hello. Next. Farmer. Hey, welcome, farmer. Hey, how how's Ash doing? I haven't. Ash is great. Ash is fine. He it was a twenty four hour thing. He recovered nicely. He became a, a ninja daredevil, running all over every ledge in the house, and made us have other panic attacks. Like he was gonna, after he recovers from illness, fall off a cliff and use up all of his other lives. Uh, he's doing good. Ash is a. By the way, for those that don't know, our regular he's a foster cat, a kitten that uh, my girlfriend is uh, is taking care of, doing the eighty percent of it. I just pet them and enjoy them, um, but. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yes, I know, update I know is all good. Summer, we're really worried on Saturday. We were. We were. It was rough. It was very rough, yes. Hey, so, yeah, go ahead. Hey, man, I've been wanting to thank you for the D.C. Sexy Liberal Show. That was so much fun. You guys were I agree. Fire, and, and I can't wait till you do it again. I've been taking the train up to D.C. and New York to catch music shows and stuff. Um, and yeah. I think a whistle stop, a sexy liberal whistle stop tour would be Awesome. That's a great idea. Just get literally get on trains and perform in in the, in the, in the parking lots of, of places like that. No, I, I I I'm a I'm working on that personally with Frangela and John Fugel saying, and then we're gonna find oh, yeah. some way to either uh you know that here's seen that um this guy here in L A who invented this thing that's like a hologram in a box. It's really cool technology where the person just stands in front of a, a white background and then it looks like they're standing there in a giant shoebox. But it looks like they're really there. Uh, I, we're going to talk Steph into doing that. Yeah, if we can't get her on the road, I'll get, I'll, I'll get her to be in, a, in the magic shoebox and just I'll wheel it around. It'll be my responsibility. It's yeah. got to be, it's got to be big enough to so flash your cooter, though. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, they're going to have to modify it somehow, like, yeah, but, uh, and give us some Windex or something. You're right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. But, but definitely, do it. then you know what you never see on trains. I've been taking them a lot lately. You never see any mm-hmm. stupid fights that you see on YouTube. You know, on these plane fights and stuff. So they're very concentrated. Sure. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy. Well, it. I, yeah, I, I have this theory. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 because I'll go off on it, and we only have a couple seconds, so go, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. All right, well, these are specifically for Philip. First of all, thank you so much for having him on, and, mm-hmm. you know, I know I've been watching him on Tom's show, too, and the more message we get out there. I, I was wondering, has he encountered um, U.S. citizens over there fighting on the side of Ukraine, and what's his experience been like with that? And also, is there anything else we can do here in the States to continue to help out? I've helped out with yeah. some of the organizations. Yeah, I will pass that along to him. Um, and, right. uh, yeah, he'll be joining us in the, in the next hour. Um, and I will also I, – I will say that uh, there's, there's a myriad of things. One of them is, especially if you're in a red-leaning district at all, con- call your congressperson and, and, you know, and put your weight on the scale, your own personal belief in there. Even if you know they're not going to listen, they need to know that those voices are out there. 
So, you know, a lot of people only call their congressperson if they're on their team and they want to, quote unquote, hold their feet to the fire. That's a total mistake. Right. You need to call no matter who's there and voice your opinion because they're representatives. We got to take, thank you so much for calling. Um, and yeah, oh, Ash yeah, is lovely. We'll train, be back. Indeed. Thank you. We'll be back right after this. I'm Hal Sparks filling in on the Joan Esposito show on WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. The Tom Hartman Radio Program provides all of the intelligence, information, and insight you'll need to win the water cooler wars. Weekdays 11 to 2, right here on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. Attention, everyone. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Filling in today for Joan, live from Chicago. Actor, comedian, and multimedia personality, Al Sparks. Welcome back to the show. Uh, by the way, Chicago, you're coming in super hot. So you can dial it back a little bit on our end because Copal, every time we come out of break, I'm getting uh, flattened. But uh, I'll make it through because I got my good friend Philip Bittner joining me right now. Um, follow him at Philip Bittner on Twitter with one L and two T's. And uh, how are you doing? How are you doing, two T's? What's going on? You're in Kiev I'm, right I'm now? I'm okay. Or, I'm yep. all right. I am in Kiev, and we had a whole bunch of uh, – Air raid sirens today, so just, uh, you know, yet another day of being terrified by the Russians. But uh, mm-hmm. aside from that, all good. Mm-hmm. Now, I um, I have been enjoying over the last couple of days um, the – we had almost like a break from Simonian and that crowd really doing anything truly incendiary. As things that kind of like stalled around their Bakhmut offensive and were just kind of going forward and backward. They, they'll pipe in every so often, but enough, I think they've given up on the new threats that they were doing in July. They do them every so often, but nobody takes them seriously now. But uh, recently, like she, she's back on the beat. And for those that don't know, um, explain to the, the Jonas Bezito listeners who uh, like Simonian and Solovyov and all that crowd are on Channel One and and sort of where they came from, what their and what their job is. Well, they're, they're, there's a group of them and um, they're they're on uh, state run television. Uh, Margarita Simonian is the uh, mm-hmm. woman that you are referencing and. She was the uh, editor-in-chief at um, Russia Today, which was later kind of turned into RT. Yeah. Uh, and she is uh, she's a spokesperson for the Kremlin. She, uh, you know, she may not be paid by the, uh, the Kremlin or the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, but her, her, her purpose is to um, kind of uh, spread conspiracy theories, to be belligerent, to mm-hmm. she, she speaks both to an international community and to a domestic community within Russia. Uh, there's another guy uh, uh, by the name of Sovlyev, um, who who is kind of their Tucker Carlson. Look, there is and has been in Russia for 22 years now um, mm-hmm. uh, Fox on steroids. Yeah. Right. Hold on. Uh, uh, and sorry, I'm getting a, I'm getting very crackly audio from him. I don't know if uh, Chicago is getting it as well. It's just part of, you know, it's yeah, it's part and parcel to, unfortunately, the fact that he's uh, coming in from Kiev. So uh, I will do what I can. It might just be a volume thing on your end. Um, you know, you can dial it back a little bit, Phil, and it might that might help us. It's hard to tell. And again, see what I can do. Yeah, this is just the nature of 
uh, of us dealing you know, with the fact that you are in a foreign country. So forgiveness is appreciated from everybody who's listening in. Um, and I, you know, I will try on my own to, um, like create a, um, you know, just a, a couple that? of remedies. Is that any better? Yes. That's a lot better. That's great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm still getting a and this yeah. maybe we can take care of that in the break. Working on it. Yeah. Basically just talking about how, um, one of the first things Vladimir Putin did when he came to power in the Kremlin, and I was living in Russia at the time, I firsthand was to take control of basically every form of broadcast uh, communication and created a, a basically an news model where the only narrative was one that he wanted you to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's been, been going on for no other message than Fox News, in essence. Right. And it's it's got a got these people like Simonian, uh, 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 so, um, a whole bunch of us, group of them. Right, I, and, and by the way, we're, we're dropping, we're, sorry, this is an issue of, of dropping out, uh, Phil, for whatever reason. It's a, it's choppy and it's just one of the, one of the issues. It's okay. We're, I'm remedying it as best I can. So continue. Um, I'm just letting everybody know that I am, I'm working on trying to I, anything I can do on my end. Some of it's just out of our hands because there's a lot of space between you and I, I might say, <laughs> um, you know, um, and that's just a that's just a reality. So um, anyways, continue. You were saying. Well, but, but anyhow, so she, she's. Oh, she. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. She. Um, uh, she has started to bring out the whole nuclear weapon, you know, threat. They will occasionally pull this out, uh, the, you know. So, uh, yeah, she goes quiet for a while, and then when when things go not the way, they do, mm. you know, shoot a flare up and, and say, hey, "Remember, we had nukes, right?" Uh, do just that. So that's kind of what she's up to normally. Is that a? Um, and by the way, is that you know? It's hard to tell sometimes when they've gotten like new instructions, like drop the nuke thing again. It's working with a certain slice of the, uh, you know, of the electric. Because, uh, again, it, it was interesting to me that she hadn't necessarily been flogging this for a couple of months. And then yesterday, day before, maybe a day and a half ago, depending on when people posted their videos, Don Jr. and a myriad of other um, of these folks who do, you know, this. Why are we sending money to Ukraine? Ah, ah, um all started going as uh, a nuclear power. They're a nuclear. It's a nuclear. We're going to start World War Three. World War Three nuclear war. They they started throwing that in again after a small respite. And it's fascinating to me that it seemed. And this is just because you know I'm 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 watching by the you know the daily videos and then comparison and comparing the the messaging from what we saw in May, what we saw in the summer, you know what we saw in February of last year, and 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 kind of trying to get a grasp of either coordination or groupthink because it can be one or both in a lot of these instances after a while it's people like don jr it's like they just have a key in their back you can just wind them up and they'll just say the same crap again um whenever the topic comes up but in her case uh it's hard to tell these days whether you know because at a certain point do we just have to assume everything's a directive 
or do they have any of their own say in this? Is this them? Uh, do either of the big two on there or anybody else have Putin's ear in a way that they're like, you should be doing this, or are they just mouthpieces for whatever the Kremlin want? The next talking point they want is. Does that make sense? I think they're given. I think they're given an awful lot of leeway. Uh, they know the talking points. They know what they're supposed to do, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think the Kremlin them and says unless there's a specific you know, an offensive is about to be launched, so we want you to target this, or we want to assure people about the food supply under under sanctions, so you saying right. this to offset that kind of concern. I don't, but I aside from the occasional directive, they're mostly. They're, they're serving the state and in, in Russia and society and, and the structure, the organizational structure of Russia is concerned or is made up. Mm-hmm. You better be able to hold your own because there are sharks who are, are nipping at your heels. Somebody else will take your job or your, your guy who runs your shop doesn't want to always at some level, it's a few system. I want everybody to really understand that. The, right. Russia has never really changed from a feudal Even during the Soviet era, era when they have tried to industrialize all of this kind of stuff, they were, they've still always been feudal in that you are subordinate to somebody who and you are somebody who is subordinate to you. It's it's all a it's a fiefdom kind of like rising and everything goes up ultimately to the Kremlin. But you have to answer to somebody, and somebody has to answer to you. Now that doesn't terribly different than what we have in the, mm-hmm. but it's it's the the religious power structure where it, if you you know uh, you if, oh, if, I, if I have to get involved with you, then. Uh, that, that, you know, I shouldn't be. Uh, and right. Look bad and, um, Hold on. Let's, uh, yeah, let's take a break real quick. I'm going to try and, yeah, I'm going to try and uh, remedy some of the audio issues if I can, uh, if it's indeed on my side, which I'm is the, always the hard part because it may very well not yeah. be. So we'll be back right after this. I'm Hal Sparks filling in for Joan Esposito with Philip Itner. Um, follow him uh, during the break if you're on the Twitter machine uh, for however long you're on there before we all move to Spotify or whatever's next. Um, we'll be back right after this. Tonight on Democracy Now! As the Memphis Police Department disbands its Scorpion unit after the fatal police beating of Tyree Nichols, we'll look at the rise of the warrior cop with author Radley Balco, who's documented the increasing militarization of America's police forces. Then, here in New York, a special unit designed to protect trans women. All those stories and more tonight at 11 on WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Now back to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. All right, welcome back to the show. Philip Itner, who's joining us. Um, Phil, are you there? Can we hear you? Is it better? I am. I am. Okay. I hope it's next. better. It is. It is. There's, uh, there's two of you, Good. which is... Plenty and not enough. That's just what I'm saying on my own personal level. Um, 
So uh, that that part I will. Sorry that. Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of you and not enough of me. We'll remedy that as we go. Now, um, a couple of things. Um, when when we talk about the and and I don't know that maybe I'm the only one hearing, hearing this echo. That is another possibility as well. But um, at least you're clear. I'd rather have two of you clearly than uh, one of you staggered. So welcome back to the show. Um, we were talking about okay. the sort of messaging from the the Russians right now, and and mm-hmm. you know obviously they're they're tanky, what I would call faux aggressive, fake left, um, pro Putin. The, the anti-war in air quotes because they just simply – they're definitely not anti-war. They just want – they're anti anyone but Russia winning it, they're, they're, you know, which is a really curious thing for – you know. Yeah. I, I, um, so explain – You mean you on know, our side of – you mean on our side of the equation? Yes, yes. The, the tankies who shill for the Kremlin on this side? Yes. Yeah, they're all over the place. Right. Yeah, they're all over the place. And um, and it's it's very disturbing. And what I find really interesting about it is, is you have an entire press corps here. You mm-hmm. have a bunch of people who are here doing independent journalism, even down to like basically what I do, which is vlogging and just kind of right. living amongst the Ukrainians. But all these guys who are shilling for the mm-hmm. Kremlin and still spreading this narrative of Nazis and all the rest of it, where are they? They're not mm-hmm. here. They're in. They're they're in wherever it is outside of Ukraine. They've never mm-hmm. stepped foot in this country. They don't know the people. They don't know the environment. They don't know anything about the country. But they will still spew out this idea that the place yeah. is run completely by Nazis, and that's just by taking talking points from the Kremlin, right. one way or the other, whether they know they're absorbing it or not. Um, they've never been here. They don't know the lay of the land. They don't know these people. They don't know what's happening here firsthand, but yet they'll they'll talk all sorts of junk about what is happening here. Now we have the entire international press corps here, so even like there are Indian reporters and there are uh, you know Venezuelan reporters and Brazilian reporters, and take your pick. Not everybody's on the side of NATO, but they have a a press presence here, and still right. yet we haven't gotten this revelation that uh, there are secret Nazis behind every tree and that uh, they're just waiting to take over the government. Right, well, if right. that's the truth, there are plenty of plenty of press representatives here in the international community who should, if they're doing their job, have uncovered this now in the 11th month of this war, not less, you know, not not least of the, you know, the last uh, eight years of war since 2014 and the Maidan uprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are these Nazis? Show us these Nazis. Um, right. But I mean, show the sure there are there. We have the Proud Boys. Does that mean? I mean, I go back to my old saying of just because of Charlottesville, does that give another country the right to go and, and right. bomb Saginaw? Yeah. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. So um, I don't know where these guys. Uh, except, well, I, I say I don't know why these guys are doing this. I know exactly why these guys are doing this. These guys okay. are doing it because they are either genuinely uh, so anti-Western that they will side with the devil. Uh, or they're mm-hmm. getting money. They're, there's a there's a incentive because they have a large audience that's going to love to hear that kind of stuff. So 
One way or the other, they don't represent the reality on the ground. Otherwise, they'd be here. Now, there right. are a couple. There's a scattering of a couple. There's a there's a, a Chilean-American journalist out in Kharkiv who talks uh, junk about uh, Zelensky and how uh, fascistic the, the government is. But oddly enough, he's sitting in Kharkiv and still able to put that message out. So yeah, I don't know uh, how much, you know, how curious fascist that. Ukraine is. Right. Yeah. So it frustrates me that all these guys are doing this and saying this and it wouldn't, I would normally, I would just slough it off and say, Oh, well, they don't know what they're talking about. They're idiots and let it go. But people are dying. Yeah. People are, people are dying. Now the, the potential is if the, if the support for Ukraine evaporates more, many, many, I'm linked by a factor of 10, because just think what will happen if Russia comes in here and actually conquers the country, which I do not believe will happen. The, mm-hmm. the, the, re, the, 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 the repercussions and the reprisal attacks that will happen will be shocking. And the world will just have to sit by and watch it. I don't think that's going to happen either. Mm-hmm. But again, I come back to this point of uh, despite the, you know, if they were just spouting junk, I'd forget about it. But there, there's lives at risk here. Uh, and to do that with such a calloused, simplistic uh, idea yeah. or, or for profit is disgusting to me. Basically, why aren't you here is my message yeah. to the people out there who are saying this kind of stuff. And I could name names, but I'm not going to because <laughs> they're, if they're not here by now, they're not going to come here. And they, they know the game they're playing. Right. So, uh, you know, but it's sad. Uh, it's it very is. sad. I've seen um, I it's interesting to me, too, is the. Uh, you can almost um, if you want to know how well Ukraine is doing, there are certain people um, but, like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Don Jr. or some of the tanky progressives out there that when when there's a spike in them calling for no more money to Ukraine, like a blanket Stop it. Like literally Don Jr. said yesterday, this needs to be stopped stat, which is hilarious. Like, yeah, to, whatever. I, I mean, it's it's cartoonish, but, but there's a, yeah, but it's also speaks of a level of desperation that they should under normal circumstances, you know, be able if they've been having a normal conversation about this. What's what's the huge difference now between this and that? Like giving them a few Abrams tanks is not going to break the twenty seven trillion dollar American economy. As a matter of fact, one of the most like well uh, thought out like breakdowns I've heard in a long time was a, a like a British journalist, I think, who was like looking at it and going, if if this if you were looking from at this from simply a proxy war level, the United States and uh, has been able to through this stifle Russia's military and and and, and all but decimate it and distance them uh, from militarily from China and dissuade China from believing that they could get away from Taiwan for less than 180 billion dollars. And if you look at the price tag of Afghanistan, which is somewhere in the order of three to five trillion dollars, depending on what number you're working on, that is shutting down autocracy on the cheap. No American yeah. boots on the ground. No, uh, quite frankly, that don't want to be there on their own, or no other Europeans on the ground there, other than Ukrainians themselves. No, like it, the the amazing level of success that this has, and and those that decry it as a proxy war seem very upset that the that it 
if it is a proxy war in their estimation, it's succeeding beyond anyone's wildest dreams in that regard. Yes, it ain't yeah. because it's I mean, look, our I'm, support for them. I'm, but I'm, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and also, I mean, at some point, you also have to ask those kind of people, like, who, who? Okay, so even if it is a proxy war, which I do not agree with, because that robs the Ukrainians of their agency. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you spent any time in Ukraine and met any Ukrainians, <laughs> yeah, you, you might be dissuaded. You'll get an earful. Of that concept. Yeah. Uh, the Ukrainians will tell you just what for. They're nobody's colony anymore, and that's yeah. a big point. And if and and if Moscow has yet to learn it. But I think both uh, bo- both Brussels and Washington, if they're under the misnomer that they can just kind of move in here and make this a colony and just make Ukraine into their, uh, you know, their right. vassal state, they got another thing coming. But that's another, I mean, there's also the point of nobody likes this war. Right. This is dis- this is this is distressing for everybody. Nobody yeah. likes this. No more. No, 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 no more. Can that be said than of the Ukrainians themselves or frankly, on a personal level, me, I'm getting yes. shot at on an almost mm. constant day and it's not <laughs> fun. I don't yeah. I have been on the front lines before I have been shot at by all sorts of manners of munitions. And I can tell you just living under the conditions of knowing that there is somebody out there trying to kill you. It is an incredibly um, stressful and mm-hmm. um, depressing and uh, anxiety ridden existence. So nobody wants this war to end more than the people who are under fire right here in Ukraine. But they recognize that losing this war, and by that I mean letting Russia reconquer this territory and make it a vassal state as it truly intends to do in this colonial war, that it will be worse than the loss of life that we're suffering right, right. now and the anxiety and the troubles and the tribulations because this country has lived under Russian subjugation for centuries. You know, we can argue about when that exactly started and when it stopped. Uh, you know, and and to bring us to this point, um, but at the end of the day, Moscow wants to reclaim this territory. It, Russia would would like to subjugate this country and turn it into um, uh, basically another version of of Russia. And the Ukrainian people are saying, "We don't want to live that way. We know what that's like because we've lived with you. It's like a bad marriage in many mm-hmm. ways." And I've made this analogy before, but I'll say it again: mm-hmm. It's the bad marriage with the husband who has been physically abusing mentally and physically abusing the wife for you know however long and the wife finally has it and and says no i'm going to run into the arms of another man and 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 the the abusive husband thinks that well the only way to stop her from doing that is to beat the living daylights out of her Mm -hmm. this is an abusive relationship between russia and ukraine and the ukrainians have had enough and they're walking out the door and russia can't accept it it, it, will, it will redefine what Russia is to itself in the mirror, and they can't accept it. So for the, to bring it back to the original point of you know, why is this narrative getting traction, mm-hmm. well, war is disturbing. Yes. War, nobody likes war. Right. War is distressing and disturbing and all the rest of it. But think a little bit why Ukrainians would want to continue what is a traumatic experience except for the fact that they know that they got to get away from this abusive partner. They have mm. to, jo- they want to join Europe. They want to have a modern liberal democracy like the Europeans have, but they have been, you know, held under by Moscow for so long. So mm-hmm. they don't want, uh, they don't want, 
peace at any measure. They want to win this war so that they can forge their own future. And they recognize that if they lose the, who's the, you know, when's the next time they're going to be able to run out that door of that abusive uh, marriage. So, right. And um, I have a, let's hope I have this all even, ends. Everybody yeah. wants this to end. Right. But uh, you, you don't want it to pause just so the abusive husband can reload, which is the biggest you know, thing that I think a lot of those people intentionally right. ignore as a reality. we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. I'm Hal Sparks, filling in for Joan Esposito on WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, uh, AM 820. And, of course, uh, Philip Bittner is joining me from Kiev. We'll be back right after this. Tune into the Tom Harmon Radio Program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. This is Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Yeah, here we go. I think we exhausted that topic, though. Welcome. Okay, welcome back. Sorry. Yeah, there's a, a like to avoid the echo. I had to kill a bunch of other things, so I can only hear Chicago when I intention intend to do it. So uh, I'm working on that as we go. Now, um, there's there's so much to this. If you, um, you know, uh, well, I can I, answer the question. You, yeah, you had a call. You had a caller as I was about to come on. Mm-hmm. who was asking about soldiers and and just briefly to answer his question. Yeah, there are tons of American soldiers over here. And I mean, I say tons. There's there are foreign fighters here. There are guys from every corner of the earth. They're they're all here. So I've uh, yeah, I've I've ran into uh, more than a couple of American uh, private citizens uh, right. who are over here. And they might they might be doing, you know, they might do be doing first aid. They might be right. doing. Also, yeah, escorting a a big industry. Well, I say an industry. There are lots of people over here, uh, foreign American, uh, former American soldiers uh, who are running organizations to actually get people out of um, battle zones. Mm -hmm. Somebody like somebody calls up and says, my my grandmother is in a little village outside of Mariupol or my my is is outside of, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Krasnoyarsk. Or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, Kramatorsk or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you go and get her? And so right. these guys will go in, get these people, and bring them out. It's it's a, a really brave thing that a lot of these people do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are former soldiers. And then yes, I've I've met my fair share of private citizens who are over here fighting, and then I've met a fair few as well who have actually joined, signed up, uh, signed on the dotted line, and get a pay get pay. Uh, from the Ukrainian Foreign Legion, uh, right? Yeah, and that's the purpose of it. So, by the way, yes, uh, so, 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 so I uh, and and uh, speaking of getting paid, like that transition, I have to do a live read for for because it's Jones' show, not mine. So here we go. Wish me luck. Hawk Volkswagen of Joliet has been the number one volume Volkswagen dealer in Illinois for the past six years. If you haven't experienced Hawk VW for yourself, now is a great time. Choose from a huge selection of new Volkswagen models like Jetta Passat, Tiguan, Atlas, Atlas Crossport, and over 30 of each in stock. All the hard-to-find levels and colors, all are ready for immediate delivery, outstanding service selection, and a first-class experience. That's why they're number one in Illinois. Hawk Volkswagen on Jefferson Street in Joliet, online at hawkvw.com. 
Claim based on 2016 through 2021 retail sales. Um, hey, thank you. That's my library. Hey, there you go. Hey, there, you go. there you go. So, um, as a proud uh, Michigander, I love I love my Illinois peeps as well. So yes, exactly. So go down to the go down. Get yourself <laughs> there you a go. VW. <laughs> now, um, I I've been you know obviously uh, over the last like three months because of winter, most of the um, the lines you know the fought, hard fought battle lines have kind of frozen in place. No pun intended. And now are basically, although it never froze solid, it never became a um, and more is marshy, I think, because of the uh, unseasonably warm area that um, that has slowed the, you know, the battle down as far as large land moves like the one like happened in Kharkiv or, or in parts of Kherson and and as well. But there's been like key strategic changes um, over the last little bit. And it looks like. You know, the U.S. is understanding that, at, but for a matter of weather, the the Ukrainians are planning a major, they keep calling it the spring offensive, which I th- think is just, I, it's fine. It, it, history can call it the spring offensive. I, you know, and I think it works both in the seasonal and in the catapulting level. Um, we are on our third, if I, by my count, Republican, or Republican, the Russian double down. On what on, you know, between the, the initial um, calling up of people, the mobile and then the second mobilization yeah. and then Third. the and then. Yeah. The, yeah, and then the secret one point two million that they were going to call up, which never actually materially manifest. Um, it, it's hard to even tell at this point. It's like, it, the, like Russia's military leaders are like the George Santos of of. Of strategic of Sun Tzu, they're in the they're in the George Santos chapter of Sun Tzu's The Art of War. I I, I don't know how 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 do you read anything that they say and take it seriously at this point? And have you heard any about from there about the the Wagner Group, Prokosian guys, and the power struggle that's going on there? Which seems like the only legit piece of military news we're getting out of their their side these days. Uh, it's hard to say because they're very good at um, muddying the waters and mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing disinformation campaigns and all that kind of stuff. Um, we, we we know that there are there are hundreds of thousands of Russian conscripts that have been called up in recent months, uh, and there is an expectation. the The thing is, uh, this is not a war of attrition. This is mm-hmm. not World War One. Mm-hmm. This is World War Two on pause. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a war of maneuver. This has been a war of maneuver. It will be a man- war of maneuver again. And now, what do I mean by that? So, in a war of attrition in the World War One style, that kind of is the narrative that a lot of people have been putting forward that I personally disagree with, um, because I think it's just the weather conditions that are keeping the. And also, both sides are doing refit. Uh, the Ukrainians mm. are getting new kit from the West. Mm. Uh, they are doing training. They are doing. Uh, they are setting up defensive lines and all that kind of stuff. The Russians are equally taking a pause to bring in all these new conscripts. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of in a race against time here. Who's going to launch their offensive first? Who's going to? Mm-hmm. And also, whoever launches the offensive, do they have enough? Have they made enough preparations and planning for a counteroffensive? 
but let me just tell Joe, Joan's audience and and mm. our audience that we mm. you, that we you know you and I uh, normally have uh, Hal. Um, mm. Uh, this is going to get. Um, this is going to get. And I know you hate using militarisms, but this is going to get kinetic. Yeah. Very soon, and and really intensely kinetic. Uh, what we saw last spring and summer, uh, as bad as it was, I, and I have no crystal ball, but I have deep concerns that this is going to be even worse mm-hmm. because both sides now realize that they're in a very serious Ukraine always knew they were in a very serious fight but now the Russians having been you know gotten their nose bloodied so badly in the last fighting season uh, and all throughout this war um, uh, when they start to get those conscripts and put them and sadly rush them at Ukrainian Mm -hmm. lines which is what uh, Russian military doctrine tends to be is just you know flood the zone everything's a blitz Uh, we saw we've seen it in every single conflict every single conflict they've been in um, it, it's basically just throw numbers at it. Right. Uh, and they're going to do it again here, which means a lot of Russian guys who uh, were yanked out of their town in Siberia and, and given two or three or four or six weeks, whatever it is, to train up on how to shoot an AK-47 or some sort of anti-tank system, um, they're suddenly going to be running at Ukrainian lines, and a lot of them are going to die. Um, yeah. But I think this is going to turn – we are going to turn back into maneuver. We're going to see, as opposed to the artillery war that we saw going on uh, yeah. er, earlier this year, uh, this is going to be barrel to barrel, direct fire. Somebody's shooting at you. You're shooting at somebody back with whatever weapon you have. And that's going to be really hence, ugly. By it's, the way, hence I the leopards. Gird yourselves. Because, right, because yeah. hence, hence the leopards, because the idea being that – um, while while Russia has been, I guess, uh, gifting tanks to the, to Ukraine that they are already trained to use, by the way, the leopards will be easy for them to adapt mm-hmm. to. The, M- the Abrams will be for later and possibly for maintaining safety if, after a failed Russian state and yeah. whatever possibly well, happens. And they're getting the Bradleys. Yes. <clears throat> Which they and do they're know getting how. the Bradleys. I mean, right. there's, a, there's, there's currently, currently at the high, on the high seas right now are a right. whole bunch of Bradleys being sent over in Lend-Lease, Lend-Lease, yep. This is right, very similar free. to what we did in yeah. Britain, with the Britain right. and the USSR. We gave lots of tanks, and, and that's what the Atlantic supply chain. I mean, there was that great movie recently with Tom Hanks where you saw all the, the guys that went over, the merchant marines who would bring yeah. over equipment for the allied powers. Um, and, and it's kind of happening again. So the Bradleys are coming as well. They're not as well trained on the Bradley as uh, some of the other Soviet kit, but there has been training. And the mm-hmm. Bradley is a wonderful piece of equipment. It, right. it, it will be a serious threat and a deterrent, and also a really good way to keep veteran soldiers. Now, the population differences being what they are, you want to keep Ukrainian soldiers alive, especially veterans who know yeah. how to fight. So put mm-hmm. them in the back of a Bradley, put them behind a, 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 a T-72 or a T-80 or T-90 until the Leopards can get up here and do that combined combat arms, which is what, of all the talk of the equipment that we're giving Ukraine, the training and the doctrine is also really important because they will be able to move forward with armor and with um, uh, a good, well-trained 
infantry inside infantry fighting vehicles, and that will make them so much more effective than what the Russian doctrine is, which is basically just either stand your ground and you know, or flood you know, come at the 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 opponent with just floods of conscripts, which is their doctrine. Right. Their doctrine is not nearly as sophisticated as what basically says NATO could afford to make these integral fighting components, whereas the Soviet Union didn't. So the Soviet Union, every every nail needs a sledgehammer, and they just haven't changed. Mm-hmm. That doctrine hasn't changed. So they're saying, um, and they the you know obviously um, Prigozhin, who's the head of the Wagner Group, and is uh, it seems to be in some place in his mind uh, uh, under the illusion, delusion, or or expectation that if anything does happen to Putin, he's next. That uh, and also whether he does it or not, whether it's you know he's responsible for it or not is another conversation too. But um, he recently, you know, he's the one who was seen in that video at a prison rounding up a bunch of uh, you know honestly rapists and murderers to send mm-hmm. to Ukraine and say hey, you can just have your whole thing expunged if you do what you do naturally to the right people and uh yeah. and, and and a bunch of those people somewhere in the order of 44,000 of them have uh have died um and mm-hmm. uh, along and with a, a bunch whole of a bunch of them are also a whole bunch of them have have actually also already fulfilled their contract and are now being sent back to their homes and villages. That's right. Which I'm sure yes. will work out great. It's exactly yeah. what you want to do is get a whole bunch of rapists and murderers, give them weapons, send them, send them to do whatever the heck they want to and satiate whatever, you know, desires they want blood to lust. in a war zone. And then, yeah, whatever bloodlust they have and then send them back to cities, villages and, and, you know, little hamlets in Russia. Well, they, I don't see any problem with that. Yes, yeah, that's not a work out Yes, and yeah. uh, and by the way, uh, force uh, the people there to view them as war heroes upon their return. That I mean, that, that in and of itself, wow. So um, he he specifically said, and like what, the standout quote from him this week was, uh, um, he said the people that he got from Russia's penal system. Uh, and sent to for deployment on Ukraine's front line said he will make them real cannibals, um, meaning that they'll chew people yeah. up. Like he doesn't mean that they're going to eat human flesh, but th- th- if, no, if they I do, yeah. no. But the idea is that they're there to chew people to pieces. That they are just they're, they're murder machines. They're running murder machines. That this is twenty eight days later, but with guns. Uh, as far as he's concerned, yeah. we got to take a, we got to take a break. Um, when we come back, um, I'd like to discuss uh, in, in you know. When, you know, timeline ideas that you have about how things are going or if you're seeing any wind up here and and also the current state of like the press and message getting out of there and the people that are coming to visit. There was just a watch a member of the U.S. watchdog that uh, looks over the spending that just went there. There was a group of Congress people and senators who arrived there as well, who've been like, you know, making sure that the money is is spent where it's supposed to be spent. We'll talk about a little bit of that on our way back. And and pop that bubble myth that the that Lauren Boebert always floats. We'll be back right after this. It's it's uh, the Jonas Pazito show. I'm filling in for uh, for her. I'm Hal Sparks. We'll be back right after this. Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT eight twenty. Don't turn that dial. A dangerous mistake to make. Jonas Pazito live, local, and progressive returns right now on WCPT eight twenty. Well, sort of, because I'm Hal Sparks and I'm filling in for her. She'll be back day after tomorrow, I think. And uh, 
Um, you'll have another lovely you've guest gotta, tomorrow. You've got to send along. You, you, yeah. you must send along the message to Joan that I appreciate letting her letting us appropriate and myself in particular, <laughs> speaking only for myself. Well, to appropriate her, her, her audience. So please send that message along. I will indeed. And I'm also, uh, I've already talked to her and she wants to have you on because her discussion with you will be different Would than mine to. because, because to some degree you yeah, and I indeed. have a, sh- a shorthand about this. You and I have well, talked about also, these details. Right. Yeah. A great deal. Right. Exactly. And, and also it's just, it's good. Look, I mean, uh, you and I have again talked about this many times, but the reason why I keep doing all of this is because I genuinely want to counteract uh, the Kremlin propaganda that's out there. Uh, mm-hmm. and I also want to deliver a different kind of perspective on this with the, 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 the length of time that I've been coming here, living mm-hmm. on the street level with Ukrainians, right. um, going through this war as a Ukrainian, not as a member of the press corps up mm-hmm. in the, in, at the, at the hotel intercontinental. Um, although they, they're doing their job, they have a role to play, but I am providing a different aspect of it. So, it, you know, my, desire is to speak to as many people as I possibly can. So if Joan would like to have me on or if any of the audience members have yeah. outlets that they that they like, um, you know, it's not that hard to get in touch with me. And I just I want to spread the message that these people are, are human beings, that the Nazi narrative is a piece of Kremlin propaganda mm-hmm. uh, and that this war is a war of colonial aggression by mm-hmm. Russia against Ukraine and and um, yeah, and, and, you know, then we need to, may, we need to keep all of that in mind. One of the one of the things I mean, we we're constantly amazed at, at people being able to flip this to somehow make it look like Ukraine attacked Russia. It's so very odd. Like their mentality seems as though like you when they're talking, it's as if we all sort of share this delusion with them that this is Ukraine's fault and blah blah blah. But my favorite thing about the proxy war argument is is that. This is a this is the West proxy war with Russia. And it's it was inevitable that this was going to do this because of, you know, the West's beloved Nazi support, whatever, uh, that we were going to dive into this. Well, if that's the case, then effectively Russia declared proxy war on on the West using Ukraine. This is this would be like the argument of saying that the allies, by pushing back on, uh, you know, Germany attacking Poland, um, what, you know, is, is the indicator that Germany meant to attack the world and start World War One or World War Two? when really they were just seizing the territory because they didn't think anybody'd stop them or any, or these people would just be victims of another big move by the powerhouse in town and everybody would be too scared to take them on. That this was an act of, of ego and choice on their part. I don't know that Germany thought they were starting another proxy war. They were just seizing land back themselves. I think they wanted one eventually in the same way that Russia talks about mm-hmm. the Ruskamir nonsense, which is, uh, again, the most Nazi thing this side oh, yeah. of – like. Of, of Han supremacy in China that I have heard in the modern world of literally the closest thing to an active Nazi movement is the Ruskamir concept. I mean, that is that and the way they bandy it about, which is a without Russia, there's no world. So if the, if Russia ceases to be the rest of the world must cease to be that we'll all go burning up together in some sort of like instead of Hitler shooting himself and covering himself in petrol or whatever, he's, he's going to do it to everybody. He'd take everybody with him is the idea because you could. Um, but that yeah. the, the idea that it's a proxy war, if that's the case, then Russia, if they're not complete children, 
knew they were starting a proxy war with the West, and that was all the, always the intention. They just, I don't know, were deluded in thinking they could win or were hoping that Donald Trump was going to take over a second time or, or thought America was on its heels enough where they could um, and, and Europe was on its heels enough that they could actually push through and, and do it, you know, that they could move these pieces on the chessboard without much response. Yeah, and I also oftentimes refer to, um, you know, Taras Shevchenko. Taras Shevchenko mm-hmm. is the Shakespeare of Ukraine. He's their, he's their poet laureate. He lived in the mm-hmm. uh, early to mid 19th century. And they, the czarist imperial court, basically the, the Russian court, uh, yeah. arrested him in, I believe it was 1842, 1846, for writing a poem in Ukrainian. Right. They have always tried to suppress Ukrainian national identity. They have been doing it for at least two centuries. If you really want to get into it, you know, many, many centuries more. But they, this has nothing to do with NATO. This has nothing to do with Nazis. This has right. everything to do with Russia has to have a colony so that it can divert attention to an internal problem that they have had throughout their history. And, and mm-hmm. it basically it is, you know, don't pretend that you can be Slavic and European. Don't expect what the Europeans have. Expect what we give you because you're different from them. And the well, that's the parallel with the Taiwan. Become your, that's yeah, the, the parallel the, the with China Chinese. and Taiwan. Yeah, exactly. And, it's not um, a new technique. No, not at all. And I would, I would argue that um, it's, you know, we have a phrase for it in the West. It's uh, that it wag the dog. Um, that this is the tail wagging the dog. And the, and the idea is if, if you're in trouble politically, you know, start a, a, you know, something elsewhere that will take the pressure away. Usually, though, those leaders either choose something that is far enough away where the blowback is relatively minimum or they absolutely have the ability to to win by attrition, like think, think Grenada or the Falkland Islands or some ridiculousness like that um, or, you know, um, the the accusations of uh, you know of it under Clinton when when arguably the first Gulf War is one of you know because there was all that news that um, George H W Bush was having an affair and and he was being called a wimp all right. the time and so that the literally people think that the emotional impetus within the White House for for the the first Gulf War was just reputational rescue for George H.W. Bush. And considering that family, that I, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case at all. You, you just line up some true believers who already think it's a good idea and you just, you know, w- wind the key in their back and send them on their way. The um, We only got a few minutes uh, left with you, and I want to yeah. just talk, talk a little bit about... Some hard um, news stuff? Yeah, and what you're seeing on the ground from the other people that you're sure. around there and what, what you know, mm-hmm. what what to prepare for any specifics or you just want to no no just in general yeah 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 (laughs) well i mean look ukrainians are scared uh ukrainians know that uh now they have they have suffered through uh this winter with a technique that basically failed because thankfully we had a pretty mild winter uh Mm -hmm. heretofore uh, mm-hmm. And probably we'll we'll make it through this winter. We're going to make it through this winter. So right. Russia's uh, attempt to destabilize and undermine Ukraine through uh, attacking their infrastructure. Well, that's not going to be that's not going to work. And so there's there's some relief there, but the, the there is a creeping fear that I am perceiving that mm-hmm. um, this is going to get really really nasty. Uh, this 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 next phase 
of the war, when the war revs right. up again, uh, it's going to be it's going to be much much worse. Uh, mm-hmm. And there is concern that the tanks may not r- arrive in time, or maybe Russia has uh, you know really is just going to overwhelm this place with mm-hmm. numbers. You know, there's they don't want to lo- you know they're really they don't want to lose this war. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep trying to reassure them, having been through a fair share of of wars myself. It's probably unlikely. Well, it's not just probably mm-hmm. unlikely. It's highly unlikely that the Russians are going to be marching down, you know, the central square in Kiev anytime soon. Right. Um, so, you know, it's but it is this is going to get ugly. Um, you're right. We are, we're short on time here, but I just want to reassure Joan's audience. And I'd love to talk to Joan again separately um, mm-hmm. because I'm sure she'll bring up topics that we don't discuss. You and I. Right. Now. Sure. But, let me just reassure Joan's audience here in the short period of time that I have. Ukraine is going to win this war. One yeah. way or the other, Ukraine is going to win this war. They, they're, they're going to win it by surviving. Mm-hmm. Um, but be gird yourself. This is going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, the, the argument that we are uh, wasting money here is incorrect. Uh, the, the, it's a land lease program. Uh, and plus, uh, this is the right side of this fight to be on. Um, but, you know, ultimately there will be victory here for the Ukrainian side, but it's going to be a really tough war. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I, I we also think supporting a- we need to keep supporting Ukrainians. Agreed. Agreed. It's in our um, interest. Yes, I agree. And, and by the way, I think also you and I both know that and in the way you've put it before, and people that listen to Joan Show may not have experienced this before, but how Russia, like nothing happens for a long time until everything happens. And there's these weird spikes in their politics that could very well, like there is a true possibility that sometime in the next three to five months, while this stuff is going on and their escalations going on or before or after they retake Crimea, any of that stuff, that Putin gets toppled and everything just goes crazy that, that we have a fall of Russia. That's equal yeah. to 91 yeah. like that. There's uh, growing uh, discontent. Yeah. There's growing discontent in Russia. Make no right. doubt about it. Right. And there's a mix of reasons why. And a lot of people w- I'm sure who left because they didn't want to fight this war would come back if there was a, you know, a, a sea change in the politics there. But I don't know how it will take them to, to trust that there's something else there, you know, before they go back and then, you know, they find themselves in a snare. So it's it, it will be interesting to look, you know, at because the, the future of Russia is being choked by its own leaders as you and I speak. Yes. Uh, I want to thank you for being on Philip Itner. I uh, will get you on Jones. Thank you, show. Thank you everyone. You'll have, thank you. Wants to have you on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to take a break. I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in for Joan Esposito and WCPT. Uh, we'll be back after the news. Hey, where's Hal Sparks? I'm not sure where he is now, but I know where you can find him Saturdays at 11. It'll be right here on WCPT 820 for the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Filling in today for Joan, live from Chicago, actor, comedian, and multimedia personality, Hal Sparks. I'm, I'm adding something so that we can. Here we go. Hey, now I hear Chicago. Good. Okay, we're good. 
Oh, excellent. Well, that's perfect timing, I think, if I do say so my damn self. I'm Hal Sparks, filling in for Joan Esposito. It's nice to be here. Um, that was Philip Hittner for the last hour. Um, this hour, uh, taking your call, 773-763-9278. Um, I, um, I have to say, and those who listen to my live stream regularly, Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific time to 11, and then in the afternoons, 3 to 5 Pacific um, except for Thursday, which uh, we do an hour later because it's I do family FaceTime um, <laughs> the hour before. And I've had that since uh, before the show and I'm going to keep it. And then, of course, my show on Saturday here on WCPT um, 11 Central, the uh, AM um, <laughs> in one of the things that's become abundantly clear is that there will not in, in terms of American politics around the Republican Party and Donald Trump himself and the RNC and Mike Pillow and all those people, there will not be enough popcorn for 2023. They, whatever. If you're going to if you want to buy stock in something, I recommend popcorn because everywhere we turn, there is, a, a you know, a an absurd Largely personal drama eating up the, you know, the vast majority of the media space around the Republican Party and Trump himself and everything. And they, all the issues, every time they get an issue where they feel like they're gaining some momentum on it, this will change voters' minds. Someone like Trump or Mike Pillow or, uh, you know, Ron McDaniel's winning the RNC head again or Steve Bannon or something throws a giant monkey wrench in the middle of everything and wrecks it, not just on a political material level where they, you know, they really needed this bill to pass or they really wanted this um, some specific legislative act or even one of their lawsuits that they try to get through the through the Supreme Court, not by flattening that, not by limiting their ability to materially govern but simply through just personal weakness just weakness of character and and intellect and and borderline like the the their lack of capacity for any kind of planning that means a damn it's very curious because one of the uh, there's several good examples of it i think which fascinate me Beyond the fact that they keep calling Democrats snowflakes and they've been nothing but snowflakes with everything like, oh, my God, I got kicked off of Twitter. And you're like, "Okay, get over it. A bunch of other people. You know, one of the reasons why you didn't find out about a lot of the lefties that were kicked off of Twitter, because they didn't care. They took a break. They did something else. They went to another site. They reacted. And then they came back on and went, all right, okay. I I said something that violated the terms of service. I can say whatever I believe, but I got to use better language. That's usually what happens. But the right, just like, it's my ideas. No, it's that you, you, you use racist and anti-gay epithets to get your ideas across. You're even allowed those gross ideas. You just can't do them without the buzzwords. And that gets you bumped all the time. Again, the, the sitting president of the United States during the 2020 campaign, Donald Trump, and his campaign and the White House reached out to Twitter to get pictures of Melania Trump taken off, naked pictures of Melania Trump 
taken off of Twitter, like shutting down accounts that posted nude pictures of Melania Trump. Pictures, by the way, that were in magazines that she was paid to pose for. At the same time, and that is, by the way, not a story. That's one. That, this is a great example of why the Twitter files is just uh, a it's a wonderful flop. It's a, the biggest part of the Twitter files is just watching it. This this kind of like constant banging its head against the floor. But um, that uh, understand again, these are um, these are specifically pictures that Melania Trump posed for and good honor. I have no problem with people, consensual adults, the, like anybody's, uh, you know, sexual proclivities, openness, closeness. That's your own business. You're welcome to it. But these are pictures that are were sold with her full knowledge. and understanding. Meanwhile, the Biden campaign, which is a private entity with no material governmental power. None during the 2020 campaign. They are simply a bunch of people, you know, they're Biden and his people and he's running for office. He's hoping to get the presidency, but he ain't got it. He's just like everybody else except he's campaigning for president. He has no power. There's no lever he can pull that's any more special than any of us. And even more so, you know, uh, you know, in contrast to the sitting president of the United States at the time, he asks for, um, you know, hacked and leaked pictures of his nude son to be taken down. Not pictures where his son looks like a jerk or where he's smoking in a bathtub, which, of course, is the crime of the century. Um but nude pictures of him specifically that somehow James Woods and people like him were insisting on posting multiple times, which is a violation of the terms of service. And when they get kicked off, it's not it's not. Oh, yeah, I sorry. It was my bad. I posted a nude picture of someone without their permission that was stolen from uh, their phone by uh, by Russian hackers in Ukraine posing and then sold it to you to Rudy Giuliani on a hard drive called laptop. That's and by the way, that is in case you're new, there is no Hunter Biden laptop. And the fact that it was sold to Rudy on a hard on a hard drive labeled laptop is why they keep saying they vacillate between hard drive from hell and laptop from hell because they forget which story they're telling. Anyways, so um, the campaign doing that is a violation of everyone's free speech and an attack on Twitter and uh, of everyone's right to tell the truth that would have changed the direction of the election because they wouldn't allow effectively like revenge porn posted. However, the president of the United States, are, you know, the leader of the free world and the and the commander in chief of the biggest military on the planet uh, can tell them to take pictures down of his wife that you can actually, I guess, order prints of if you want, um, is is just him being a, a good husband. I guess. Is that the theory? So that that that's a prime example, I think of how the the Republicans in general scream that there's a double standard while trying to create their own. Their, their idea of a double standard seems to be that they want a double standard, but they want it flip-flopped. Not everybody treated equally. Not everybody having to, you know, come to the table with their, you know, their highest quality goods and argument. But we should get a leg up because look our you know our second generation rich kid messiah who's in the process of cadavering his father's empire and turning it into a you know basically a glorified label maker 
Um, so much so that his daughter had to marry into a real real estate empire, which was sketchy as hell on its own right, to guarantee the right. Because I'd like to be abundantly clear. Uh, Ivanka Trump and uh, Jared Kushner uh, are billionaires. Partly because of the money they made during uh, their time being around the, the White House and allow and leveraging the intel that her dad had access to. They really are billionaires. Trump is not. By any stretch of the imagination, his taxes prove it. But this second generation rich kid messiah who represents, you know, he's he is to financial well-being what Andrew Tate is to uh, polyamorous relationships. If you kidnap a bunch of women and keep them in your house You are not in a polyamorous relationship. You're a criminal. If you trick a bunch of banks into thinking you have money because your dad used to and make it look like you're a billionaire on paper to them, that doesn't make you a billionaire. That makes you a criminal, especially if you were lying to banks and the IRS in two different directions at once. And that's why, for for the most part, um, we are seeing we are seeing um, Donald Trump spiral down into flop sweat. It's just a giant orange puddle of flop sweat at this point. Everything is pleading from him. If you watch and the only energy you will get from Donald Trump in, in any of his speeches lately as the uh, third runner up in the current field of Republican candidates in 2024 behind uh, DeSantis and Anybody else <laughs> comes in third. Um, the only energy you will see out of this guy is him pleading to go back to a time when nobody was m- cared to look into his financial dealings, where he could BS Forbes into putting himself on, uh, putting him on the on the 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 top 100 top 500 list or the Forbes 500 or the 100 list by pretending to be his own publicist, John Bannon and, 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 and talking them into doing it. Like, and by the way, Steve Forbes and Forbes magazine and the the idea that that works should in retrospect, give you a perspective on any of that publications, ideas, or, or prosele- you know, like uh, predictions of any sort uh, over, I guess, the decades. Because if that's all it takes, what the hell's that magazine for? What's the, the the paper for? If it's that, if 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 you can call up and it with basically your own voice and go, I'm I'm somebody else, and and they just print what you say and add you to a list of other people who you know, fairly or not, psychotically or not, worked their way up to being on a billionaire's list. And then there you are right next to them. It's not like I'm going to feel sorry for any of them, but it is kind of hilarious and pathetic, don't you think? But meanwhile, you have to understand that the, the, the Trump mythology humps along it's not going to he's not going to be president again. Let's just put it right there. We got to take a break and I'll explain why after this and take your call. 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. I'm Hal Sparks filling in for Joan Esposito on WCPT. 
Hi, this is Patty Vasquez. I am honored to have hosted Driving It Home for the last year, but it seems like we never have enough time to talk. And since I've been doing the traffic reports, I realize how long it actually takes to drive it home. So as we head into the holiday season, I want to spend more time with you, and we've decided to add an hour to the show every day. Thanks to my sponsors, Kids Above All, European and U.S. Auto Body, and Monaco Brewing for making this all possible, and of course, my WCPT family. And I couldn't do this without you. So tune in every day, 5 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. Every weekday afternoon from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT Is it just me? Oh, excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so um, welcome back to the show. I, yes, I, I don't know. There's an echo going on, and so I have to mute it temporarily, and then whatever. Anyways, we're fine. No, we don't need to fine. We're okay. We're okay. Just We'll just settle into this. Uh, do we have callers, by the way, uh, just so I know, Chicago? And now I know you can hear me. So, and I can hear them. You're, I know you're there. I know. Maybe they're checking. Okay. Anyways, um, oh, I, yes, Chicago, go ahead. Do we have them? Yeah, I, I, well, I'm just going to pres- move on as if the show is happening. I, I will just soldier forward and hope for the best. Um, that said, um, I'm going to, I'm doing this in here, even if it just drives me crazy, uh, figuratively, but, um, the the George Santos thing, while it's absurd and hilarious and in certain parts, quite frankly, disgusting because the, his statement about Jews in particular in that story about the GoFundMe and stuff, it just it, of all the things, you know, there's there are things equally bad about a lot of these things. Like, But that one stood out because not, that's a lie. M- adding on to a a trope that has violent consequences. And by the way, Ilhan Omar this week was on, you know, she maintained one of her, uh, they they were going to get her kicked off the foreign affairs committee um, because of her previous anti-Semitic statements. And, um, and they were, let's be abundantly clear that she's not an ignorant woman and playing dumb in certain areas is, is, is as offensive as the initial thing, because you're hoping to allow it to continue on without, you know, like it's like setting a raft full of explosives uh, off and going, I don't know, it just blew up wherever it did. Um, she was on the news this week and said, I didn't know there were any, uh, you know, tropes about Jews and money, which I was like, OK, look. You can say that I wasn't thinking about those things when I said what I said, because to me, it's something I say about nation states or the military industrial complex or, you know, organizations like the CIA or Mossad or whatever you want to say in general. Like that's how you, you know, some folks talk about those kind of things that this is that that the military industrial complex is all about money and yada, yada. And they could kind of almost 
it's like color forms or, or paint by numbers. It just happens when you're talking about it. So you might say, I wasn't really considering the trope. I was just thinking of Israel gets a lot of money from the United States and they want to keep that money coming just like other foreign nations that we give money to. And I, you know, when I disagree with what they do with that money, that's, that's fine. And it, and you could say, I didn't really associate it with any of the tropes about the people. I'm not like helping anybody walk out of this anytime soon. But there are ways to answer that without insulting everyone who A, heard you say it the first time and B, are hearing you now pretend that you don't know. It's it's absurd. It's goofy. It's it and and it's insulting above all. There's a there's a there's shame in saying something like that. There's more shame in pretending you didn't know you were making an insult at the time. So not a fan. Totally gross. There, that's not how you do it. The, the same thing goes for, for people who are, you know, were championing the fact that this is the most diverse, um, you know, Republican Congress, you know, in, in history. And partly because, we, you know, we've got a Jewish Brazilian gay man who, you know, and then and then they're not going, well, OK, but we'll go with Brazilian and gay. How about that? Well, that part we're pretty sure about, although um, considering it is abundantly clear that he was married to a woman to get her a green card since he had a wife and is gay and isn't bi by any stretch of the imagination, according to him. And that his uh, he tried to talk one of his friends into marrying a Brazilian woman so that she could get her green card. That in and of itself. That sounds like something that Republicans would blanket accuse Democrats of doing all the time. Like, (laughs) I am shocked that to some degree, part of their open borders lunacy that they keep talking about is that Democrats are just trying to let these people come in so they can marry them and have anchor babies like this. That's a that's a line you would expect from Republicans when talking about the border and Democrats. And yet here you have, and which part, okay. The other thing is as, as hateful and vile and offensive as what, and and I would say not offensive, offending. I would never be, I, I I would try not to be um, offended on someone else's part. I will never say to a group I am not a part of um, when someone says something that what they're saying is offensive, because to some degree, maybe those folks that I think are being insulted aren't offended. They're mad. Maybe they're not heartbroken by it. Maybe they're not weakened by the words of this moron or bigot or racist. Maybe they react to it differently. So I would never uh, assume offense on their part. But the intent to offend is absolutely part of it. And so never mind the intended offense of uh, George Santos saying that when he used a fake name on a GoFundMe, that if you use a Jewish sounding name, Jews, if they think you're a Jew, you will uh, Jews will give you more money. That was one of like to me, that was uh, that would be the put the put a fork in him. He's done. That's it. That's the that's 
we have hit bottom. That is awful. And then the irony is that the you know what the turning point was where Republicans finally started coming on board with this this guy and being interested in dumping him? Drag. Once they found out he he did drag, when they heard about it, they were like, oh dear. Oh, this is okay. Considering like the Proud Boys are like, do we support him? Do we or what happens if we catch him reading? pro-life books to Christian kids to try. How do I even react? You know, they don't even know how to pick at him, if at all. The <laughs> this guy, um, then pictures show up of him in drag. And by the way, this of his background. I don't know a single Democrat who cares. The question isn't that somebody did drag in the past or does now. Hell, if there was a drag queen that was actually running for office and had sensible, smart policies that apply to all their constituents, um, I, I, the only party they would win as would be as a Democrat. Period. If RuPaul r- runs, he's got to run as a Democrat if he ever has a chance to win, because we will give someone a chance that's different than the majority of people. Or, or lives a different way or experiences things a different way if they have great ideas and are there to contribute along with everybody else. Republicans, it's the exact opposite. This dude can toe every line. He can be a super trumper. He can spout all the same grotesque talking points. But the, but if he does it and he's ever dressed as a girl and it wasn't to be funny and make fun of women in the case of like Rudy Giuliani or somebody that's that's the line. That's too that's too much. And it's really when it started. You, th- you, you think the campaign finance stuff is why they want to broom him? You think because you, you can pivot, you can or you can see the pivot. You can, the pivot happened when the drag story came out. Everything after that is just gravy. Um, so. That in and of itself, again, there will not be enough popcorn for 2023. And this guy will eat the news cycle until he's gone. And then like David DePap, Paul Pelosi's attacker, who called into a local San Francisco station this weekend to say, I apologize to the American people that I didn't get, quote, get more of them, meaning Democrats. And that he doubled down on his, you know, his MAGA bona fides. And decided that he, you know, that, that he's going to take the Trump approach and say, yeah, I did it and I'll do it again. They, they, they all think they're in a Cagney movie. And, and that, by the way, after Santos is done, same thing. Because what's his defense going forward in all these situations? Other than if he can't, if he, he's got two options, in the, especially in the campaign finance issues, plead guilty and vanish or plead guilty and say, I was only using the system that they set up and, and after or during doing his time, he becomes a Republican gadfly like Milo Yiannopoulos until he can start working. You know, he gets out and two years later, we find out he's working for Marjorie Taylor Greene's um, vice presidential campaign where, which by the way, she thinks is going to happen. Everybody around her thinks this happened. It's all why she's having her, mar- her makeover. And I got news for you. It ain't going to happen. We'll be back right after this. Um, it's Joan Esposito show. 
I'm just living it. Uh, this is Hal Sparks. I'll be back right after this. Information is power. Stay informed to know what's going on. Staying informed gives me the power of knowledge. I wake up. I need to know what happened. I turn on the radio. Because information is power. WCPT 820. Where facts matter. This is Joan Esposito. Live, local, and progressive on WCPT 820. Welcome back to the show, man. Oh, Shevitz. Uh, so uh, here we are. Um, by the way, we have uh, callers on the line. So uh, let's see. Um, let's. Uh, I don't know which order they came in. So let's go to Jim first, if we can. Hi, Hal. Yeah. Uh, long day. Hey, Jim. Was done. Yeah, I think yes. It was a, uh, a really peculiar commercial ad going through the dial of the Republican station. The so 20 billionaires apparently in Illinois that haven't fled the state yet. They pointed out the Horatio Elger story of about 14 of them and the virtues of how they are helping our state immensely. And the other four, alluding to our governor, inherited his money. But the gist of the whole story is they didn't want to be taxed. So they're going to flee to Florida. And all I can say is bon voyage. Anyway, you have a good night, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate that. Yeah, so good luck in your senior year. Um, it's, uh, it's fascinating that... Um, they're fleeing to Florida, not Delaware. A lot of, uh, if you'll notice, a lot of corporations and especially medium sized and small ones are in, are incorpor- incorporated in Delaware because of the lack of income tax um, for, and, and corporate tax that, that's there. If they're moving to Florida, what they mean is we don't like the politics. This, is, this has nothing to do with their sort of business interest in this regard. And also, Try and pack up a factory and move it to Florida of all places, because if you're looking for a a young, vibrant workforce, uh, that's not the state I would pick. Um, (laughs) Just saying. Okay, um, we have another caller on the line. Uh, Angela, is Angela still with us? Excellent. Hi, Hal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Go ahead. I'm going to get off the speaker now. Um, you and I follow each other on Twitter, and I am very often in the in the chat. So Excellent. that's how you know me. Bad Angela. Hi, okay. Angela. <laughs> yes, hi. Um, basically, uh, I wanted to say that, or I want to say that you helped me through all my all my challenges. I'm physically challenged, and I work from home. I'm a I'm an accountant, and you provide a, a great source of humor and and joy to my day and thank you oh good um, my pleasure i <laughs> um but also i wanted to say that i really feel like the whole trump thing is about to just spontaneously combust because of uh-huh. like have you seen the um um mckay coppin story in the atlantic where all the Republicans saying, "Please, can we just get rid of him?" You know. Yes. It's a great yes. article. You should you should check that out. And yeah, the, the whole, you're uh, absolutely right. But continue, and I'll I'll answer after you're done. Yeah, go ahead. The whole the whole like Charles McGonagall thing. It's all mm-hmm. happening at the same time, but I don't mm-hmm. really want to let myself believe it because I've been waiting for seven sure. years. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's. Yeah, of course I do. And I, and you know my answer what my answer is going to be about that is that it, you know yeah. the the path is oftentimes more important than the destination. And quite frankly, you and I both know that the day Trump goes to jail 
will be the most calm, relaxed day of his life because there is a there is a a release in being totally screwed. And Trump, you know, the 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 prison that he is in right now is is twofold. One is the awareness that the chickens are coming home to roost and he knows that he's been found out and he's having to have all these uh-huh. uh, cases that have all he's managed to keep them at bay because of a myriad of reasons. The Gordian knot of, of New York real estate, the 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 mythology of him while he's on NB, NBC. So nobody wants to attack someone while they're on television. Um, you know, th- there's all kinds of reasons why he was able to stave <laughs> off by being in the public eye. And he you know, come like comeuppance that was headed his way. He knows it's on its way. He also knows, and I think this is the most crucial part. He knows Mm -hmm. there's tons of stuff that he has done way worse that they're not going anywhere near. And to some degree you're watching a guy in, in the middle of 12 angry men experience the telltale heart. This guy walks around and every every floorboard around him is just going boom, 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 boom. He's like, tear up the the floorboards and stop the beating of his insidious old heart. That's he's his fear chain is is tugging in both directions. And it is marvelous to watch because largely his crimes and I have to say this, like largely his crimes that matter. Financial crimes, uh, there are obviously repercussions, and he got loans other people could have gotten for uh, illegal reasons. Okay, that's fine. He, you know, got ahead in the political race because of lies he told and was able to. Yes, that's true. But his biggest crimes, in my estimation, in my own personal feeling about this, is how awful he made other people feel. The mistreatment of human beings and how grotesque he was, specifically the sexual assault accusations against him, how he treated people like Eugene Carroll and others. Um And how he talks about Stormy Daniels after she, you know, she gave him a charity hump. And now he's, you know, he thinks he's king of the world. Um, That 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 karma, that penance is way more important to me than even him being in jail. Him feeling like he made other people feel um, is marvelous. It is great to watch. It is it is the it is the karmic retribution, because, again, once he goes to jail or whatever, to some degree, the right will martyr him and use him as they jail their opponents. They won't even talk. They won't even use his name anymore. They'll just talk about the, the you know, the Democrats want to jail their biggest opponents. Anything can only talking about it like like they're talking about Lula and Bolsonaro. They won't ever care about him as a person anymore. He'll be just a, a placeholder for that idea about how Democrats want to be autocrats. But the the majesty, the joy that I feel in watching this jerk get jerked around by his by stuff he created finally coming to light and how miserable it makes him. That to me is prison for him. That's it. Because what's worse, you being in a gray by gray cell, knowing that, you know, it's all done or being in, you know, what is effectively opulence and being scared of the walls. Right. You know what I mean? You know, even, even golfing is a miserable, unpleasurable experience for him right now. And, and like I said, that that's truly the karmic retribution. Should he go to jail for the stuff that he did? Absolutely. But Mm -hmm. that he, the experience of it 
what he's actually going through right now. And you can see it. And it's all like, I'm not a Russian spy. I'm not like his eyes rolling and flipping out. Um, right. That's that's the pressure. That's the you know, the yeah. And and uh, Kath in our chat is saying you know he's terrified twenty four seven. That's exactly it. And again, it's how he made other people feel. Dreamers, uh, trans people, gay people, right. like women. You know he that's mm-hmm. that was and he took pride in it. You know what I mean? The guy, any guy who would brag about grabbing women. Um, against their will well, because you just can't protesters how he made yes. them feel you know? oh yes right right well and associate any any rioter is a protester and any protester is a rioter and and so th- they're the same thing so they they anybody who protests is just trying to you know loot a target and destroy things they don't have anything to say so you can ignore their argument so you can act like they don't exist right. or that they don't have a grievance exactly. worth dealing with and again Two years before that happened, before the George Floyd riots, before the death of George Floyd, uh, Donald Trump dismantled the COPS program, which was a program that the Obama administration put in specifically for the purpose of helping Mm -hmm. local police departments broom bad cops. Mm -hmm. And he he tore it down, by the way, almost to the week when he took away the pandemic response team. And and it's you could see it coming when he did it two years later, after removing both of those programs, we get hit with a double whammy in the same like six week period. So, yes. So I uh, don't don't feel bad about getting your hopes up. And what I would like to say to you, if I can help you in any way, is that you have to appreciate things as they happen. It's always great to hope we can look off into the distance. I believe in a positive future. Mm -hmm. I always have, you know, it's just my nature. But part of it is because I appreciate every day um, that, it's never as bad as people think it is, and there's always some good out there. And the the people who think they're ahead in the grossest way are the people who face the biggest backlash. Because effectively, look at anybody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, um, Roger Stone, Alex Jones, any of those people. And you can oh, a couple of years ago, you could look at these people as like they're just having runaway fun, and they're nobody's coming for them. But it, but what I saw was them pulling a rubber band away from their face with a rock in it mm. and and be, and and acting like it's a display of strength and it just isn't mm. and it's gonna it's gonna come back and like and 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 it's partly you know it's one of the reasons why I'm not really worried about like nuclear war with Russia because again Putin the reason Putin and Trump like each other is because they're both hedonists. They believe in their own pleasure at the expense of everyone else. And hedonists doesn't want to die. They, they don't believe their great reward is in heaven. Their great reward is on the other side of death. They don't believe that. So they don't want to die. They want to live long enough to just be a, uh, like a sleazy, grotesque Roman senator, uh, senator in an orgy pit covered in oil. And they think that's the, yeah. that's the top for them. So they're, they don't want to end it at all. And now they can't even enjoy it. So, that, yeah. Um, so I, 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 that's just me. That's my little rant on making sure that. Well, I enjoyed um, it very much. I can yeah. thank you very much for your, your friendship and your <laughs> kindness. Thank you, sir. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in. It's lovely to talk to you. And we get right up to the break or whatever. I'll take the other callers on the other side of this one. I'm Hal Sparks. I'm filling in for Joan Esposito and talking to you lovely people. It's really, really great. And, um, and also, uh, I, I'm, I, I forgot to read the copy, but I'm going to read it after the, we come back to Chicago, I promise. <laughs> 
This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Take her away, huh? Yeah, take it away, Ernest. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And now, now, live from Chicago, filling in for Joan Esposito. Please, Netflix, let me play Rudy Giuliani in a big, kind of bloviated, chainy suit like the one that Christian Bale wore. Actor, comedian, and multimedia personality, Hal Sparks. You can see the roots of the paranoia that Trump has in what he uses to attack everyone else and why he thinks everybody's a crook because I'm a crook and the only difference between me and them is I don't use email, so their emails must be just full of criminality. Hal Sparks, live, local, and progressive. You know, if you're selling your home and or purchasing a new home and you would like to save thousands of dollars, you need to call Team Hotchberg, your trusted local lender. Team Hotchberg is offering everyone on their uh, their perks at work benefit through the end of April, which can save you thousands of dollars the next time you buy or sell a home. Here's how it works. When a Team Hotchberg affiliate realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. When a Team Hotchberg affiliate realtor helps you purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost credit. Team Hotchberg will credit their loan organization fee and their affiliate attorney will reduce his fee. A couple saved close to nine grand using Perks at Work when they sold their home and purchased a new home. To learn how you can ha- you can save thousands of dollars the next time you buy or sell a home, give Team Hotchberg a call 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. That's 855-563-2843 or 56david.com. Lower dot, uh, lower dot com, sorry, lower dot com equal housing lender, NMLS 1124061. There you go. Hi, I did a, yeah. Hockberg. I said, oh, I read it as Hotch. Yeah, sorry. You know what, you know what did that? Hockberg, beg your pardon. I, um, I automatically defaulted into criminal minds. Um, because of Hotchner. Never mind. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a carry. Hockberg, thank you. Hockberg. Um, Next time, uh, I'll, I'll phonetically write it as H-A-U-K. Berg. Anyways, here we go. All right. Um, I tried it. I, you know, it's my, you know, it's my first time doing that one. I've done the, uh, the, the, uh, Volkswagen one before. So we worked that, those kings out. Anyways, there we go. Uh, Hochberg. Sorry. Hochberg.com. H O C H, uh, B E R G. There you go. Um, no, sorry, it's 56david.com. There you go. I'm just going to drag this out and do the whole segment apologizing to them. Okay, so, um, by the way, next, uh, we have some callers still on the line, too. Uh, Ron called and then called back and then called back again, so here he is, and I want to make sure he gets a chance to say something. Uh, welcome back, uh, uh, Ron. Thank you for trying and trying again. Thank you, Hal. Hal, number one, uh, 68, I was in Chicago protesting the Vietnam War. 69, I was in Vietnam protesting protesting the Vietnam War. Now, this word mm-hmm. tankies, I guess first time I heard it on a Tom Hartman show, you know, so I guess I'm a tanky because I knew what was going on in Czechoslovakia, and I saw that as a kink in the, in the link that was helping to defend the Vietnamese people against U.S. imperialism. Czech- no, a tanky, for the record, uh, just, uh, a tanky is somebody who, in the Tiananmen Square massacre, sided with the tanks. Um, no, that the Tom, idea that no Tom said it was in Czechoslovakia in '68. Okay, no, yeah, no. That's what uh, I, I, I get that's his that's his take on it. Um, but in terms of of the modern application of it and the way we talk about it on the regular, it's it is currently the folks who believe and and this is more germane um, about the the current situation. Um, people who are siding with Russia 
in this particular sense that they they believe that that the tanks themselves uh, were the sign of right in, in that. And that, and by the way, the, a lot of the folks that we use that term about right now actually deny that the Tiananmen Square massacre even happened and question the depth of the Holocaust. So um, but but uh, point taken that uh, about your uh, but. Your ethics seem right on the mark. I think it's uh, arguing about labels is kind of silly. Just tell me what you're, uh, what you want to talk now, about. Now, 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 World War II. There's a lot of reference to World War II in this Ukraine-Russian war. You, Russia is wrong in invading. But let, let's start with, with where, why this the root of this World War II. World War II. After World War II, we took in General Gellin, head of Nazi SS Gestapo intelligence for the Eastern Front. Uh, Russia, okay, a mm-hmm. known war criminal of the highest order. He was taken in lock, stock, and barrel. All of his, all of his intelligence, but no war crimes trial for his people. General Gellin became the highest ranking West German general, highest ranking NATO general. So, in other words, an unrepented Nazi war criminal was allowed to dictate U.S. foreign policy, European policy, the Cold War policy. In other words, we we carried out the Nazi policy that that, that, that no. won against the Nazis. But no, 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 no. Having having that guy having having somebody in the no having somebody in the West German uh, faction uh, of NATO or whatever is not the person who dictated how we responded to the to the Russian buildup of nuclear weapons in in the Cold War or our response in the Cold War in general or the fight between uh, a communist a communist country at that time USSR. Um, and, and, and democracies, the Nazis are not like, uh, he didn't take his ideology and go, I am now soundly on the side of democracies and, and against, um, you know, communism as a root. The, the Nazis, the third party that gained the most, uh, under, uh, when, when Adolf Hitler was able to take power was the communist party of Germany. They were, they were the third runners up. And it was one of the reasons why, um, they took on the National Socialist idea to try to bleed support from them, but also viewed them as the enemy and 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 built up their hostilities between them and and you and the USSR at the time. Ultimately, though, they had a non-aggression pact because eventually they believed that they as a race versus a system would win over time and they would will knock out Russia later because they're a bunch of bumpkins That's that didn't dictate how the United States or the Western world define themselves as rule of law based democracies over the last 60 or 70 years or, you know, or our uh, or any or strategically our economic uh, alliances throughout Europe. No, Al, I, I no, I, I disagree with you in the, in the fact that after World War Two, we took on all the uh, former colonial powers and put them all back in power in their place. British, uh, French. Uh, all of them, and we backed them to the hill. We backed. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't. No, no, the French. No, the French. The French and the no post. No post Second World War. The UK and the French imperial endeavors throughout the world. The French are the last to it, but you know. Um, but our relationship with the UK certainly. The UK started withdrawing from all of its colonial aspirations, in almost entirely. And so did the U.S. We've been backing out of there. If the U.S. was a colonial power like you're talking about or an imperial power in the same way, we would have kept Germany and Japan after the war. We didn't. 
No, they, I'm saying the European powers. We allowed them to take come back. The French, you're not. We didn't have any right to not let them do whatever they were going to do in those regards. But there was there was not like a giant Spanish colonization of other parts of the world, but the Spanish speaking South American countries um, that they were still left with. And even then, it wasn't material control over those states. It was just cultural. And the same thing is true largely of of, of French colonization of France. They've rescinded since France. Uh, France's impact on most of like Central Africa is at, at this point is largely language based since World War II. Before that, Indochina, it was basically a a Wehrmacht war after World War uh, II, because that's where many of the the Nazi war criminals went into the the French Foreign Legion there, and they were welcome. Right. But uh, again, at this, uh, here's here's the argument that I I would have. Um, There was tons of geopolitical cleanup with scattered Nazis and, uh, you know, just as much as there were scattered oligarchical Russians post-91 that were causing all kinds of Wagner group horror all over the world. The difference is, is do you think Russia had the right to invade Ukraine? And do you think that Ukraine is in defending itself is somehow just becoming a puppet state of NATO in the United States and that they are Nazis by, by, you know, by proxy? No, hell, but but this is a stated fact from the New York Times, from the CIA. The, 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 this is called the Afghanization of the Russian military in in Ukraine. And you what? Know, wait, 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 wait. You, the idea that we're that we drag them in to burn them down. Instead, this is reaction. This is any intelligence or defense organization, much less the people of any country, looking at what Russia did in Ukraine would hope for or tacitly support the idea that they burn themselves down doing something this horrible. The same thing, like, like we weren't responsible for what the Russians did in Afghanistan. They chose to do that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When the Russians invaded Afghanistan, yes, that uh-huh. was a border dispute. And what, what, the, what the Russians... I'm oh, sorry, there was a what? It was a, it was a what? Border dispute between Russia and Afghanistan. And when when they invaded, when the Russians invaded a border dispute, they murdered. Okay, they murdered the leader and and then they installed a new guy and then they poisoned him twice. The second the, the first the second time they tried to poison him, they it didn't work. Because he was drinking Coca-Cola and their poison didn't work. So they just surrounded the castle he was in and blew his brains out and threw a grenade at him. This is not a border dispute. Yeah, we're out of time. I appreciate that. I I would love to have this conversation at the top of an hour sometimes, Ron. But um, if your if your argument is that the that the Ukrainians are Nazis because of Operation Paperclip, that is a cruel and ridiculous concept. Period. End of story. And if Tom taught you that, I I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't think so. All right. See you guys next time. Thanks for hanging out. I'm going to stream now at infotainmentwars.com. 